0: hello now playing listeners this is your frequent movie review co-host Stuart. here to let you know about a contest we have because facebook is facebook they like to make it difficult sometimes for guys like us to stay in your newsfeed. we're offering an incentive for you to go into your facebook app change the preferences and make it so that you can continue to see now playing as part of your daily newsfeeds. because they have a winnowing process that means if We're not your closest friends and family. We may not be seen. And so if you go and make those changes, we are going to offer some prizes. First place, to book, a copy of The Art of Black Panther. Second place, you get the soundtrack. And if you want to know step-by-step how to do that, the instructions are on our webpage, nowplayingpodcast.com slash FB. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Here with a mission, sir?
2: I am. Trying to get me back in the world. I'm trying to
3: save it. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger initiative. This is now Playing's Avengers retrospective series. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Part of the now playing Marvel Comic movie series. Well,
2: I guess that's worth a look.
3: Hosted by Arnie. I waited my entire life for this. Jacob. I'm in too. You're going to need all the help you can get. Ed Stewart. That is quite the entourage. What are you prepared to do? At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies featuring the superheroes Iron Man.
2: I'm just not the the
3: hero type, clearly. The Incredible Hulk. Hulk like raging fire. Thor. You call yourself Lord of Thunder? God of Thunder. Captain America. How many of you are ready to help me sock old Adolf on the jaw? Ant-Man. The ultimate secret weapon. Guardians of the Galaxy. A bunch of a-holes. Doctor Strange. Heroes like the Avengers protect the
0: world from physical dangers. We sorcerers safeguard it against more mystical threats.
3: Spider-Man. Are you an Avenger? Yeah, basically. Inhumans. What are we? What if I told you there's a place where people have powers like us? The city of Adelaide. Black Panther. You're telling me that the king of a third world country runs around in a bulletproof catsuit? And the Avengers. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Let me emphasize that what I'm about to share with
2: you is tremendously sensitive both to me personally and the army.
3: This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Listener discretion is advised. Gentlemen, you're up. Showtime, a-holes.
1: Today, we're discussing... Black Panther, starring Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Danny Guerrera, Martin Freeman, Daniel Kaluuya, Letitia Wright, Winston Duke, with Angela Bassett, with Forrest Whitaker, and Andy Serkis, directed by Ryan Coogler. This is Arnie. I'm a good man, and it's hard for a good man to be a podcaster, but I'm still co-host
2: of Now Playing. And Stuart. And this is Jacob. And you guys want to hear my mixtape? You know, you know what? I'll send you a link after the show.
1: <laughs> I do. The SoundCloud reference is going to surely be to this movie what the MySpace reference is to <laughs> Iron Man 1 10 years ago. Because SoundCloud is having financial trouble. They probably paid for that spot. There's a
0: lot of product placement here. Wanna drive a Lexus? Only if I could do it remotely in my lab. Yeah, or someone starts a Kickstarter <laughs> campaign to, to get me one. <laughs>
1: So, Black Panther. We're here. I know there was a lot of buzz surrounding this movie. I had trouble getting excited for it. I mean, I love Marvel movies. I thought Black Panther kicked ass in Civil War, but he's a comic character I just never could get into. I just found him too stuffy. I found his regime—it's the same problem I have— with Namor. I don't like Namor either. In the end, I kind of find them to be dicks, but they're dicks because they're powerful leaders, and they're just too stuffy. I preferred the fun comics that took place in New York City or California versus the more serious ones that took place in fictional areas.
2: Yeah, I read Black Panther when he was starring or guest appearing in other comics. You know, it's like the X-Men. They have all these space adventures, and I just don't want to read about them, and it's just this whole other segment of the marvel universe that i feel like i have to get caught up on just to be able to get into the comics so I've, I've just never done that work so i've appreciated him when he's shown up in other people's books but i've never read a whole lot maybe one or two solo black panther comics
0: never read a comic don't remember him from any cartoon i've ever seen and civil war let's face it we weren't really prone to like him He was intriguing, but he was kind of an antagonist. I mean, if you were Team Cap like I was, he was being used as a pawn by Stark to get in Cap's way. And, you know, you could feel for him because his father got killed, but basically he was an adversary that Black Widow brought down. So I was intrigued to know why I should like him. And I looked back at Civil War and realized
1: T'Challa in that movie had the biggest arc. I mean, when the movie ends, T'Challa, who had this vengeance against whoever killed his father, believing it to be Bucky Barnes, started the Civil War. And when it finally comes, he sees what's happened and realizes that there has to be compassion and law by instead of just vengeance. And so I feel like he has the biggest transformation in that movie, whereas Cap is still not going to follow the Sokovia Accords. It's still going to do what he thinks is right, and Iron Man is going to rule the Avengers. Neither of them ever really change. They start with certain positions and end the movie in those same positions,
2: but T'Challa has an arc. Yeah, and I liked Black Panther in that Civil War movie. He really did push that action along. He's the one... Hey, gotta get Bucky and that's gonna cause the Avengers to take sides and so I may have not have ever gotten really into him from the comics but I liked his appearance in Civil War and I was intrigued like when these trailers started coming out for Black Panther I was getting into him I was feeling it I wanted to see this film.
0: Yeah I think there's a higher than usual anticipation for this one. This is Marvel's 18th maybe 19th film. I'm still holding humans against them <laughs> and say what you want about the character. Whatever is Matt powers are the defining characteristic is his black skin and i think it is still very rare to see a black person headlining his own superhero story this has been erroneously billed as the first of those yeah how can you forget blade
1: and blank man and meteor man <laughs> and hancock and you know what i've said you can write off blade he comes from marvel comics but he was a vampire killer. You can write off Meteor Man, Hancock, and Blank Man because they don't actually come from comics, I think.
2: Okay, Falcon, War Machine.
1: Not Leeds, but you can't write off Shaq.
2: Oh, I did not know that's where you were going. We're going back to Steel. Make sure that souffle don't fall. <laughs> I'm not saying you want to remember it. I'm just
1: saying that it is from the pages of a comic, a primarily African-American cast. You can't take it away. I mean, you may want to say this is the first black superhero film, but that's like Marvel saying Blade is the first Marvel film because they just don't want to own up to Howard the Duck.
2: Yeah, but I'll give it this. This is the first with the huge Marvel Studio slash Disney treatment. And it's not just a black character it is a whole african african american cast very few white people in this movie it, it is a whole lot of demographics that we are not used to in these big marvel or even dc films
0: and a huge price tag 200 million we all know those other films were low-balled steel and what have you just not movies that were going to get a big budget black panther had a 200 million dollar budget yep oh I did not realize that. <laughs> and it's not starring Will Smith. No proven stars in this. Obviously, a lot of Oscar-gilded actors. I mean, a lot of people I've seen in Artery Affair, but nobody that's carried action movies. And yeah, no one that's a star by American standards that can prove they can open a movie. So it's a risk for sure. It's going to test Marvel's brand to see if people are going to come. But not only are they coming, people that don't normally go to Marvel are coming to this one. It's also set to open at 200 million.
2: I'll say this before we even get into it. It does feel like they try to make this as much of a standalone possible as you can with the 18th or 19th Marvel Studios film because, yeah, I think they were expecting a lot of new people to come. I know we all had to see this preview night because of the way our schedules were working and a lot of showings and almost all of them were sold out unless I wanted to go like at 1130 at night.
0: Yeah, there were school buses at mine. There were kids. I mean, busloads of kids were at the theater. I had heard that there were people
1: buying out entire screenings to bring African-American youth to see this movie, which is strange because it is about a fictional country. It is about a history that doesn't exist. I would see taking them to biopics, but to take them all to see Black Panther, I think that's awesome, but yet it also, I just never expected it.
2: Well, it's empowering. You think about Iron Man, that's not based on reality, but tons of people go and see that. To see a an African nation that wasn't exploited, wasn't colonized, you know, what could Africa have been like if it wasn't torn apart by other countries coming in? Yeah, that's a great vision to see with Wakanda. Not only that,
0: but they were teasing this right from the first poster, there was a link between Black Panther comic book hero and Black Panther Party started by Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seal. I know that we've already talked that one did not
2: create the other. The comic came out a few months before the actual Black Panther Party. Right. But
0: for the marketing of this movie, there's a very famous photo of Huey P. Newton in a wicker chair that's oval. It looks exactly like Chadwick in his chair on that first. And the militant villain that is in this film, he's gonna come from Oakland. That's where the The Black Panther Party started, and he is going to be a Black Panther by the end. There are two Black Panthers, so I think his vision is one way of thinking about Black Power. And even more
1: than that, I was surprised to see the trailers for this had the speech by Gil Scott-Heron The revolution will not be televised, which was the slogan for the Black Panther movement in the 70s. Marvel used to really try to distance Black Panther the character from Black Panther the movement. They even renamed him. Yeah, I think he was the Black Leopard for a while. Yeah, which a leopard really can change its stripes, but it didn't last. He's back to the Black Panther. But yeah, to see them embracing this instead of pushing it away. You know what this tells me is we are 10 years into Marvel now. It's almost been the 10th anniversary. When Infinity War comes out, it'll be 10 exactly. This is the first time I've seen Marvel Studios trying to reach a new audience, trying to market something different. While we've had some more comedic movies than others, some more dramatic movies than others, some bigger movies, and then Ant-Man, it just always felt to me like they were going for the exact same, hey, come see a superhero movie. Now it felt like they were trying to build that audience, to even hit demographics that May not have seen a Marvel movie before.
0: Yeah, and some of that has to be this director, Ryan Coogler. I saw his first film. You guys saw his second film, I know, but I did see Fruitvale Station, which is his introduction to film, and where I first saw Michael B. Jordan as well.
2: Yeah, I, I, looking at who worked on this film, it looks like Coogler brought a lot of people. That he's like Michael B. Jordan, he brought over again. The composer, one of the cinematographers, like he's bringing over people that he has worked with before on smaller film like Fruitvale station and then creed
1: what he specifically said is he felt all the marvel movies looked like they were shot the same and that there was basically a house style and he wanted to try to make it look different feel different he wanted to Bring in the people he'd brought in before. Now, I went to see this during the fan event, which cost $30 a ticket. I get a souvenir coin and I get to see an extra interview after the film with the director. And it was really, really brief. But what he said was after Creed, he was really looking at the African-American experience and wanting to look at African-American empowerment and whatever his next project was going to be, he was going to explore these themes of Africa and what it means to be African-American in the 21st century. And then they approached him from Marvel with Black Panther and... He definitely did that. He tied these
0: things together. Yeah, I had heard that Ava DuVernay, who had also done Selma, was up for the gig. She ended up doing this wrinkle in time instead. We'll see how that turns out. But yeah, I think Marvel had on its mind that it wanted a director who was black and who was socially conscious and who would bring that element to this character. And you see it in the advertisement. They do not shy away from it. It's not coincidentally black. It is Afrocentric.
1: Absolutely. And the cast is... So many people I'd heard of, but the one I know best is Michael B. Jordan. This makes two for two for the released Fantastic Four films where Johnny Storm joins the... Marvel Cinematic
0: <laughs> Universe. Yeah, uh, we can ignore that one, right? I, you know, <laughs> wasn't totally successful, but I am a big fan of him. I enjoyed him in Chronicle. I just think he is an actor to watch. I'm convinced one day he's going to hold that Oscar. Maybe not for this part, but I think it's in his future. He's just got that kind of early career going for him.
1: Yeah, I'd seen him in Chronicle. Didn't enjoy the movie, but I remember liking him in it. I thought he was really good in Creed. He was the best thing about Fantastic Four, is the thing I can give him. And so he's the one I knew most going in. Chadwick Boseman, of course, I had seen him in Civil War... But only recently did I see Get On Up, finally. I'd been meaning to see it, but it literally came out the same day as Guardians of the Galaxy, so I went and saw
0: that instead. But he was really good in Get On Up. Yeah, I saw his good Marshall, and it came out a couple months ago. He seems to be a versatile actor. I mean, they're sort of giving him every black person in history you get to do the movie. Yeah, he played Jackie Robinson, didn't he? Yeah, that's exactly so. He'll be Harriet Tubman before it's all over with. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he's good though. I mean, what I've seen is he can usually pull it off and yeah, he's not a movie star. He can't open a movie, but he's a talented actor and he's going to bring a gravitas to this character that presumably is going to feature him more than Civil War did.
1: Yeah, it's strange to me to think that I completely bought him as James Brown in that movie and yet he is acting so totally different here
0: he looks nothing like james brown that's just one of those where like what were they thinking but he pulls it off he sells the physical differences where you just forget about that and you just go with it he gets the mannerisms he gets the spirit and so why don't we get the spirit too arnie why don't you get into the plot of black panther and we'll find out what he's all about wakanda is a small african nation with a long
1: established isolationist policy the impression across the globe is that Wakanda is an impoverished third-world nation, but if you penetrate the holographic rainforest that canvasses the nation, you find a land more technologically advanced than any on Earth. Their technology comes from vibranium, the strongest metal on Earth which can only be found in Wakanda. The nation is composed of four tribes ruled for centuries by their king, the Black Panther, imbued with superpowers due to consumption of a special herb. When we begin the movie, in modern-day... Power has just passed to King T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman, after the death of his father, King T'Chaka, as seen in the movie Captain America Civil War. Yeah, this is like the next day, right? Yeah, I think it's literally, he talked to Baron Zemo on the mountain, and we see him flying home. (laughs) But now it's time for T'Challa's coronation, to which come his mother, the Queen Ramonda, played by Angela Bassett, his tech-savvy sister, Shuri, played by Letitia Wright, The head of the army, Wakabi, played by Daniel Kaluuya. The head of the king's guard, Akoya, played by Dane Guerrera. And T'Challa's ex-girlfriend, Nakia, played by Lupita Nyong'o, who came at the king's behest. The ceremony consists of challenges to the king from the other tribes, but none challenged T'Challa, save for M'Baku, the head of the Jumbari tribe that lives in the mountains and has never accepted the Black Panther's rule. But even stripped of his powers... T'Challa beats Mbaku, sparing the warrior's life in battle. Now as king, T'Challa begins a mission to bring to justice Ulysses Claw, played by Andy Serkis. As seen in Age of Ultron, Claw is a criminal and the only one to successfully steal vibranium from Wakanda. We learn Claw has been doing this for about 25 years and many Wakandans have been killed in the process. T'Challa goes personally to capture Claw, But also after Claw is CIA agent Everett K. Ross, played by Martin Freeman. And yes, insert that meme about the Tolkien white guys here. The Panther captures Claw in South Korea, but for diplomacy, agrees to let him go to a CIA facility for interrogation. There, Claw is broken out by his partner Eric Stevens, played by Michael B. Jordan, In the breakout, Ross is shot in the spine, and only Wakandan tech can save him, so T'Challa orders him to be taken to Wakanda, even though it will reveal the nation's secrets. But Stevens has bigger plans than vibranium theft with Claw. He kills Claw and takes Claw's body to the Wakanda border as a gift, and reveals he's T'Challa's cousin. See, in the 90s, T'Chaka's brother N'Jobu was sent to the U.S. as a spy, Living in Oakland, N'Jobu decided black people were treated too badly on a global scale, and Wakanda had the weapons that could allow the African Americans to rise up. T'Chaka was forced to kill N'Jobu, but left N'Jobu's son Eric in Oakland. Now Eric is back and wants to continue his father's mission of arming black people all over the world to take over. He challenges T'Challa in combat and, stripped of his Black Panther powers, T'Challa is defeated and thrown off a waterfall. Eric, also known as Killmonger, becomes king and is given the powers of the Black Panther. The Queen, Princess Shuri, Nakia, and Ross go to Umbaku's Jambari tribe for help, but Okoye won't go as she remains loyal to the new king, and Wakabi believes in Killmonger's plans for global domination. The Jambari have T'Challa's body which washed ashore near death, and the heart-shaped herb restores him to health. T'Challa prepares to continue his combat with Eric and asks the Jumbari to help, but they refuse. We end in a big climax. Eric refuses one-on-one combat and sends Wakabi and his men to attack T'Challa. Okoye sees this as treason on the throne, so she and her guard fight Wakabi's men and they attack Eric. Meanwhile, Ross has to shoot down some aircraft that are trying to take vibranium weapons outside the country. And finally, Umbaku relents and his warriors all join the battle. T'Challa and Eric end up in one-on-one combat, and T'Challa wins, he's the rightful king, while Eric is killed. But out of this, T'Challa has decided Wakanda can no longer afford to be isolationist. He's opening a Wakandan outreach center, aiming to share his nation's tech and resources with the rest of the world, as credits roll, to a scene with Shiri and James Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier played by Sebastian Stan. Shiri has seemingly been successful in deprogramming the Winter Soldier from his Hydra conditioning, and we're told the Black Panther, and I'm sure Bucky, will return in Infinity War this spring.
0: Baba, that is a lot of story. I mean, wow, they gotta cram a lot in here. I knew I was kind of in for it. Right from the start. Whenever we have like a prologue that is like going to like work through thousands of
2: years of history, I'm like. Yeah, you got a whole Lord of the Rings prologue here about the history of Wakanda and their magic vibranium.
0: I guess you could do it. If you had never seen any Marvel movie before, this one has more than any other I can think of. I mean, Asgard is its own place too, but this one specifically felt like a self contained universe. You wouldn't necessarily have to have seen any of the earlier films to watch this movie.
2: Yeah, you're going to get a few flashbacks to Civil War, but I I agree that they have set this up to be its own thing, and I also think, even with comic book readers, I don't know, unless you're hardcore Marvel and read everything, like, what is Wakanda? I knew about Wakanda. I didn't know that they had all this tech because a vibranium asteroid landed there hundreds or thousands of years ago, and And they were able to thrive off of that.
1: I knew that Wakanda was the only place that had vibranium. And I knew that they were advanced technologically. But I don't know if in the Marvel Universe it's a meteor that crashed. That's what they're explaining in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But yeah, this is a lot of backstory. And it did kind of remind me about Anthony Hopkins' monologue at the start of Thor. Oh, that was a rough one too. (laughs)
0: I did see this movie twice. It helps to do so. There's a lot to process. I saw it at 2D Thursday night, and then I went back and had the IMAX, which is the superior showing. Looked really great. And it really just helps to sink in these details. I think the important takeaway here is that this meteor is concentrated vibranium, so it didn't scatter through any other part of Africa. You're only going to find it in this one spot, which is why I presume five tribes were just fighting over it until there was a Black Panther, that this was was a chaotic conquest of Africa, and then some shaman took a plant, which grew because vibranium hit the soil.
1: Did it? Is that why it grew there? I was hoping that was the case. It says it. It does, because I also saw this movie twice, and I just heard about the special heart-shaped herb, but I didn't get that it was the vibranium that created the herb.
0: Right. Again, these things come in as fast as Black Panther coming out (laughs) at you, but the second time, they do sink in, so that's it. There's only these plants in this part of Africa. It's only because of the meteor. And four tribes obey a Black Panther because it's better than war. And it creates this whole idea that they don't want to have war. The wars were so bad that they do become isolationist. And there's this one breakaway tribe who we'll meet later who disagrees. They go off to the mountains. But it helps to understand why they would shut themselves off from Africa. Because that is the big gimme of this movie i mean slavery aids exploitation of colonialism and they have all this tech to help and they choose not to
2: yeah this is going to come up very late into this movie and i wish this was more of the plot it why i mean they show slave ships they couldn't have broken a rule to stop fellow africans being from being sent off to be slaves all around the i mean it's troubling and i think Eric, Michael B. Jordan's character, is going to have some very good points later on. I mean, I'm reminded a lot of Magneto versus Professor X with where the story is going to go. What do we do to save people? What do we do to make sure we're safe?
1: And I like that they give T'Challa an out because it would be very easy to hate a king that allows all of this to go on. And T'Challa does say at one point, I can't speak for any other kings. But it's likely to think those previous kings say what T'Challa said at the beginning is... I take care of Wakandans. You know, those are my people. Not everyone on this continent is my people. So I'm taking care of our people by keeping us hidden while, yes, everything is ravishing the continent around them.
0: Yeah. And, you know, who are we to judge? I mean, there was just Brexit. Our president is advocating building a wall. It's an important theme. I think at any time is at what point do you shut the doors and concentrate on yourself? Again, they skim over it so quickly, but I think it's just helpful to understand this was a war torn area that found peace through Black Panther and thus they wanted to maintain that peace by not looking at the rest of the world. But then we start in the
1: 1990s in Oakland and we see some kids playing basketball on a beat up hoop. It's actually a broken apart plastic crate that they're using because they don't have a net. And in the sky we see a couple of lights and I now know that this is the Wakandan ship cloaked, but I swear to God, I thought they were putting a Captain Marvel Easter egg in here because we know Captain Marvel is coming and it's going to be a 90s period piece. And the way Marvel ties everything together, I'm like... If they don't explain those lights,
2: I think that's Captain
1: Marvel coming to Earth or something.
2: See, I thought it was another vibranium meteorite coming to land in Oakland at first, but no, it is the (laughs) Wakandans.
0: Yeah, and his ship is distinctive. I mean, when you look at it on the underside, it does have the face of a Black Panther. I mean, they did try to build his identity into the design of it. But Sterling K. Brown, I know him better from that incredible OJ show where he played poor Chris Darden, but he's getting a lot of Emmy love right now on This Is Us. And he is the actor we're paying attention to who is, we think, a criminal at the beginning here. He's got a bunch of guns. It looks like they're plotting some kind of robbery or something. Here comes justice in the form of two Grace Jones looking chicks with spears. I think these are bad guys.
2: No, and I think they do that on purpose. I mean, with a white audience maybe playing on some of those prejudices. I thought they were just planning a bank heist or something. They got machine guns, they got their little toy cars they're putting around the map to figure out what they're going to do. But they have, maybe not the best way to go about it, but more noble intentions.
1: I just love the decor, though, of early 90s Oakland. They've got the... The public enemy poster up and everything. I'm really feeling that era. I mean, that's when I started college. I remember the 90s and California specifically being so much in the news, Rodney King and all of
0: that, the racial tensions of the time. You can see that on the TV. They actually cut briefly to the television. 92, it was the riot. So again, that is on the minds of the folks as they're plotting whatever they're doing. You know, they're inspired by the injustice. And this seems interesting because it just keeps changing. We're like, well, they're criminals, and these women are going to kick their ass. And then, no, it's actually Black Panther, and he's this guy's brother, and it seems friendly. And never mind James, and by the end of it, we're going to find out that this brother is the betrayer, and James is in on it. Yeah, there's a lot of
1: twists here, and some we're not even privy to at the beginning. They actually cut to this flashback again later and we find out more. But we see, yes, that Claw apparently has been stealing from Wakanda since 1992 and been getting away with it for almost 30 years. And the very first heist was because N'Jobu gave him all the information he needed. Right.
0: N'Jobu, let's just kind of spell it all out here. You're right. They cut away and we don't see a crucial exchange between brothers, but let's, I think, Just for the sake of talking through the movie, understand what transpires here is that Najobu has decided that it's worth working with, quote-unquote, a bad guy, this claw arms dealer, and to get the vibranium out of his country in order to get oppressed black communities presumably in Oakland and elsewhere with weapons that they can fight back, you know, fight the power public enemy.
2: And we're going to find out later that there's Wakandan spies all over the world. I mean, they pulled their bottom lip down and they got this like glowing tattoo to identify themselves. So I'm assuming that, yeah, we'll steal this vibranium and we'll get it out to other Wakandans that might be throughout the country for this revolution.
0: And controversial position, but not heinous, not villainous, not to me, something that reads like a typical Marvel villain, of I just want power mu ha 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 it took me two viewings and
1: the reason i went back I saw it at the fan event Thursday night and I saw it just a couple hours before this recording at a Friday evening Times Square showing. And it was because I really didn't understand Unjobu and what he was trying to do. I kind of walked out of the f- movie the first time like, was he really just saying that Wakandan weapons should be used so all black people over the world can become superior to white people? Is this some neo-Nazi nightmare he's trying to enact? And after two viewings, I'm like, yeah, I guess that's what it is.
2: No. I think he wants to arm them so they could stand up for themselves. They could throw off their shackles. Again, I go back to X-Men, and whose methods do you go by? Xavier's or Magneto's? But
1: Eric spells it out a little more, though. We'll kill them and we'll kill their children until they're subservient to
0: us. That might have been what where he came at it. We'll talk about where he's at when he finally takes the throne, but Najobo, I just believe, is just looking at footage of the riots and the police beatings and just thinking you know with a little vibranium the playing field would be level and we would not see all of this black abuse so to me it doesn't feel like an overthrow It just feels like a way of protecting a bunch of people that don't have the means to help themselves. That may be the case, and that could explain a scene we
1: see later when N'Jobu comes back in spirit form that we'll have to talk about. But I found that they should have spent just a couple more minutes here, either this time or when they cut back to this later, explaining N'Jobu's plot a little bit more. Because all we know for a fact is he was planning some kind of heist with James, who we're going to find out was actually Zuri, a Wakandan spy. And he then gave Claw the information to steal vibranium, which killed a bunch of Wakandans. And so King Chachaka says, you're coming back with us. We're going to take you back home. We see the ship fly away. But in fact, in Jobu, felt so betrayed by James being undercover there that he tried to kill James and Tachaka killed N'Jobu so... I wish I just knew more about what N'Jobu did to deserve that death penalty.
2: I wish this didn't feel so contrived to set up young Eric. Like, please report back to Wakanda at some point in the near future. Like, just arrest him. Just take him right there. I don't know why Eric gets left behind. It, it's weird that this is kept a big royal family secret to me. Well,
0: a, a few things. The one thing I wish is that we could take Forrest Whitaker out of this. <laughs> the The whole James thing doesn't feel necessary. It would make more sense if Najobu tried to pull a gun on Black Panther, but of course Black Panther is already wearing this cool suit, of vibranium, so bullets shouldn't be able to hurt him so he wouldn't have needed to use his claws against a gun. It wouldn't have resulted in that. Here, they have this sort of patsy in the middle that in order to save him, Black Panther had to kill his brother. And, you know, that's biblical, right? Cain and Abel, I mean, they they worked that one in there. I think New Jack City got there first. Am I my brother's keeper? Before the Bible or
2: before Black Panther?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not before the Bible, but Uh, as far as The Child Left Behind, a couple things on that. One, I would say that Young black men growing up without fathers is somewhat of an
2: epidemic. And I agree with that. And I think that's why this is in here. I just wish it was cleaner.
0: Right. I mean, I think that this film director is trying to work a lot into this movie. And that was something that, you know, he was definitely thinking about. And it it sort of gives a motivation to a villain. It makes him more relatable to me. And I think that this sort of represents, it's an inverse, right, of America's relationship with Africa. It's actually more like the West You know, we recognize the disparity between, you know, our world of privilege over there. You know, do they know it's Christmas? We are the world, you know. (laughs) Thank God it's them instead of us. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah, there's the guilt and all of the advertising. And I know every time I didn't finish a plate of food at the dinner table, my mom said, there's kids starving in Africa. And how could you? You know, it's putting it on the other side. On some level, what will come out of this is the idea that, Wakanda is really neglecting the children of Oakland and the black communities of the world by making this choice. And yes, this king should have done something for him. And that is really the storyline for his son, Prince Nachala, to amend when he takes power. And there's something else that's a little bit confusing because we're told we're never shown.
1: We're told that what took N'Jobu off the path of his mission is he fell in love with a woman in oakland and that is eric's mother we never see the mother we have no idea if she was even still in the picture i mean legitimately since we never see the mother i'm wondering was little eric left there an orphan like the mother could have left years ago it was just eric and jobu and every time i say jobu i think of major league and I just wondered, did Eric have nobody to take care of him? What happened next? That would just, this is perhaps the scene that I just have the most complaints about in the entire movie, because it's the only time I feel that strands are left dangling and we're just, the movie's going to just take us places where we can make up whatever we want. It
0: doesn't matter, I suppose. I would say that this villain is more symbolic His importance, his backstory is more symbolic than it is logical. The way they've set it up begs a lot of questions. I go with it because, as I said, culturally, this is something that the black community is dealing with. And also speaks to a relationship between a motherland and the land of prosperity. But then we do jump to modern day and Wakanda. And
1: I'll say coming in, my biggest fear was... I've seen fictionalized African countries before. I've seen Eddie Murphy's Coming to
2: America. I knew you'd bring that movie up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All about a prince, you know, and a king and the queen. Angela Bassett did remind me of Eddie Murphy's mother in that movie a little bit. But overall, I'm happy to say the art direction, the visuals, everything here, with the exception of perhaps a dance during T'Challa's coronation that I wondered if Paula Abdul might have choreographed. I didn't think of coming to America at all.
2: <laughs> That's a success. Yeah, no, I don't think you're supposed to. You're, you're. This is a, I don't know, Star Wars sci-fi city that they live in. I actually wish we got to spend more time in Wakanda just seeing how it works. I, I wanted that with the Amazons too, Wonder Woman. Like, what is the economy of this place like? It feels like when we get on the street level in Wakanda, we get the same back lot. Like, there's a basket store that we see in both shots. And one's at the beginning <laughs> of the film, one's at the end. I'm like, I want to see more of this if your whole economy is based on a space rock, like how does this work? How do you, are they communist? I wanted to know more about this city. It's beautiful looking. And I wanted to spend more time to to learn about Wakanda and how they've made this work.
0: Well, it should be said before we get there, we do spend a little time in Nigeria. Our, Hero is not going to go back home and get crowned until he has his ex girlfriend with him. I guess he needs emotional support. He's feeling really guilty about not being able to save his dad. So, this is an emotional rock for him, even though she is no longer romantically linked to him. So, he's going to dive down into the Sambisa forest. And also kind of show us what Black Panther can do. If you didn't see Civil War, you get to see all his powers here as he fights some nameless goons in the forest.
2: Yeah, I feel like he was shot better in Civil War. I'm going to take issue with some of the effects and just the choreography in this film. It didn't grab me. I thought it was shot not great most of the time. It it was very clunky looking. And I'm trying to understand the physics as he's falling down and he throws these little mini EMPs to stop the cars and he flips. I I don't know. It, It just feels too cgi to me where there's no weight to this panther when he's moving around
1: i'll agree by and large there's one scene that we'll talk about where i think it's really well done but here yeah it seems very convenient and almost cartoonish The Black Panther's action here and it just doesn't have the physicality that it had in Civil War and at the end I think it goes into a CGI fest from hell I'm like that that's
0: 1999 level CGI
1: but here I'm feeling it
0: yeah I'm glad you guys agree with me on that I was like yeah just some of this stuff is that's why I'm shocked 200 million and this is the best they could do yeah are they done with the effects it had a little Justice League kind of quality (laughs) to the like are they quite done with that shot, or did they just have to get it out because you know, it's opening Friday, we gotta go. I swear to God, to jump ahead, when Eric and T'Challa are falling and fighting,
1: it looks identical, like they could have just borrowed and not updated the graphics, just changed the skins on Spider-Man versus Green Goblin from 2001.
0: That said, I will compliment Kugler's idea of how to stage this stuff. I do like any director that likes single takes. You know, he does not do quick cutting. He tries to get it in big tracking shots. So we have a lot of camera movement where we just, you know, move to the back of the truck and around and spinning into the trees. And it's all, if not one shot, composited so that it looks like the camera has not cut away.
1: Yeah, it's impossible for cameras to do some of the things we see them do My favorite of the long shots is in the casino later on. And there's no way they actually had the camera rigged to do all of that. It's hiding the cuts through CGI, but it's damn cool. I like the long takes myself. It felt different. That's what Kugler said he wanted to do, was have something that feels different than the other Marvel films. In that way, it did. But I'm going to say it's lucky that this movie doesn't really rely on its action, because that's its weak point.
2: Yeah, but what I do like, again, I agree that the action is not great. What I like how this is setting itself Apart from those other Marvel films, and, and what seems at least fresh in this one, is you have Black Panther. He almost seems like a background character. There's so many characters in this film. But right away with this scene in Nigeria, you get introduced to two strong female characters that are going to be fighting alongside him the whole time and are going to be main characters throughout this film.
0: Yeah, you're honing in on my real complaint with this movie. I don't have many, but there is one, and it's kind of a big one. For a movie called Black Panther, (laughs) the main character is the least interesting thing about the whole
2: affair. I agree.
0: But I love the women. And, yeah, Nakia here, you know, I know because I know Lupita that she's going to do something cool when she's in the back here, but it's her mission. She's an undercover spy. And she was, I think, doing something with child soldiers. You know, she ends up saving some of the men with guns.
2: I think they were like, yeah, kidnapping women to do awful things with. I mean, it's all women in the back of that truck.
0: Yeah, we all know that story about the school of girls that were taken. It it had a similar quality to that.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with you guys that Black Panther, it's his story. But the women in this film kick serious ass. We've been introduced in the ship to Okoyeo who is the head of the King's Guard, which is an all-female force. And they're really going with certain African costumes. They all wear those rings around the neck that kind of elongate the neck over time. And Okoyo is just a total badass. And when the Panther comes in and sees his ex, which is just a weird dynamic (laughs) to have in a movie, is, oh, I need my ex to be with me. Then... He does freeze, and she has to come down and take out the last guy.
0: In Bozeman's defense, I think part of the problem is this is an origin story starting with death. You know, like, he needs to be in grief. He just lost his father. He's going to later admit, I'm not ready to be king. I still want to have... A paternal figure in my life. And so he can't play it too jovial. He can't play it too boisterous and extroverted. He is a brooding individual in part because he feels responsible for killing his father and then all the other things that are going to happen, losing his kingdom and all of that. It's just not the place in his life where I feel like he could be the most fun. That said, I don't get the sense that he could ever be as playful as Peter Parker
2: or his own sister Shuri who's like one of my favorite characters in this film like every female gets to upstage him in this film that they're more excited than him. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying about Black Panther in the comics is he's just not a fun character and that's what I like. But here I find this movie to be fun and the people around him bring a lot of that. Shuri is one who she's Just completely eschewing tradition when we see her, she's wearing a t-shirt, she makes fun of him for wearing the traditional sandals, and we see that it's the Americanization still, even though they're isolationist, American culture is influencing Shuri, she's seen Back to the Future 2, obviously, they make a reference to it. (laughs) Self-lacing shoes. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
0: Oh, is that where it came from? I thought it was like Mike.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They said very old film, so I'm pretty sure it's Back to the Future too with the shoes. But yeah, then it hit me, though, when we have this opening action scene, and then we go back and we have the scene with Shuri, and I'm like, okay, T'Challa is James Bond. Shuri is Q. We are in a... Bond film.
2: Oh, yeah, and it's going to become very evident, like, later on for one big action scene. It's like, oh, you don't want to give Idris Elba the 007 moniker? Fine, we'll make our own Black Bond. Yeah, that's the Korea
0: segment, but I didn't get that coming into this. Uh, I thought, again, the reference to me was Thor, we're in Asgard, and I just want to give a real shout-out to this realization of uh, Afrofuturism City. I mean, it's just such a cool idea to think of, you know, the poor the nation in Africa secretly being the pinnacle, the birthplace of human society and its pinnacle. My only complaint is that, you know, they enter there and we hear like some very stereotypical Lion King wailing from Baba Ball. <laughs> I would have preferred some George Clinton P-Funk. Chocolate City, <laughs> if you know that song, it would just this really is the Parliament vision, a black future that, you know, he's sang about in so many funk songs about spaceships, and it just works in that way. And I really just wanted some P-Funk.
1: I didn't want P-Funk. I had listened to the soundtrack to this movie. Before coming in, and it said music from and inspired by the Black Panther.
0: Yeah, I listened to that soundtrack, and only like two songs are in this movie.
2: Yeah, I'm like, oh, Kendrick Lamar's doing the soundtrack? I, I was all pumped for this, and I didn't hear a whole lot.
1: No, there were like three or four. A lot of them are just in the background when Claw is rolling up and things, but I was surprised a lot of this did work its way in, but yet. The majority of it is going to be the score, and the score does sound like African tribal music, and yeah, the Lion King came to mind a few times.
0: Yeah, and Angela Bassett, I gotta say, she's a little more regal here than when she was on the DC side of things. She was Amanda Waller, which, Jacob, you tell me is a really cool character, but I did not experience that in Green Lantern. Here, you know, she is the queen mother that is not going to cry about her husband blowing up. This is a little weird, right? I mean, it's a crowning, but it's also a funeral. And since the villain is going to be defined by his inability to feel compassion for his dead father or for his enemies, I did feel like, I mean, I know we don't want to introduce everyone with Kleenex, but it's uncharacteristically happy when the, we have this homecoming. It's strange because she did say, your father and I talked with this
1: day off, and I'm like, really? He's just like, ah, I can't wait to die so my son can <laughs> take the
0: throne. <laughs> They needed to talk about his eyes. <laughs> what was up with that? I mean, he didn't have that in Civil War, right? Maybe it was the angle or something, but it was very distracting. Yeah, did he catch it from Forest Whitaker?
2: <laughs> I mean, they even had to get a younger actor with a droopy eye to match Forrest.
1: They photoshopped Forrest Whitaker on the poster. I actually posted to Facebook. I'm like, did Forrest, after all these years, get plastic surgery? As one of my graphic artist friends pointed out, that they photoshopped his left eye over his right eye to get rid of the droopy eye
0: on the poster. Yeah, I mean, I think his is an eyelid and maybe like a lazy eye, but this guy, they're just not
2: symmetrical. Yeah, it's like a glass eye. It's going the wrong way.
0: Yeah, and it didn't blink when he blinked linked. That was weird. Hmm. It was distracting. (laughs) It It was for me and some of the audience members. I will say there was some fun talk back and forth between the screen and the audience that, you know, again, it's why you want to go to a movie sometimes is that to see how other people are going to take it in.
1: And I was very disappointed... The first night, the audience was primarily African-American, and the Associated Press was there covering the fan event. I overheard a conversation with one guy in the theater. Disney had sent reps to make sure the projection was up to par, and it wasn't. The trailer lost picture, and the audience started shouting, Deadpool, Deadpool. So they had to (laughs) rewind and play the Deadpool trailer again. And. I thought there'd be more of that, but you know what there was a lot of? Cell phones and texting and all of the stuff that I don't like. I was able to see audience enthusiasm at moments, but by and large, they seemed to disengage from the film when there wasn't comedy or action
2: going on. See, the most troubling thing I saw when I went to the theater, my wife and I were actually very upset, but there was cops there, which just, uh, wrong message like, oh, we're going to have a lot of African Americans here. Like, there's never cops sitting outside that theater. So that was very troubling. I, I do feel, yeah.
0: That's disappointing, but I would say that my audience is, was, it's a mix. I mean, Springfield is not that racially diverse, but there was good re- black representation. Everyone uh, was having fun. I didn't get any sense of being policed. When I went the second night, and of course, police presence in New York is heavy just in
1: general, but I have no illusion that it was because of this movie. The second night it was just a slice of everything. It was New York City in a theater. There were Indians, African-Americans, white people, actual Africans. You know, everything you can imagine was in that theater in equal number. And, you know, they had a more muted reaction than the fan screening, as you might imagine. But still, I was able to catch the moments that really clicked with them.
0: And, you know, you point out Africans. I want to underline that, too. This is the first time, I think, other than Scarlet Witch and Black Widow, that we've had a major Avenger who is not American. I mean, I guess some are from space, but <laughs> beyond that, I mean, yeah, the fact that we're going to be at a different continent, forget the fact that he's black, but just that we're going anywhere else other than America and spending all of our time here. There's a brief episode where we go to South Korea, but by and large, we are going to be in Wakanda. I think that that is another feature of this that feels unusual. And you get that real sense of it being shown off in this crowning ceremony, which is like the coolest wine ins concert I've ever seen. (laughs) The cliffside with all the people on them was just really impressive. I know they actually went to
2: Africa to do some of the shooting. Oh, this felt like green screen to me. It it looked very awkward. Again, where's the $200 million? It it felt like very rudimentary effects to have these people standing on cliffs watching.
1: Oh, I thought that looked good, but it didn't feel real. I thought it looked cool, though. It looked very vertigo-inducing in 3D.
0: Right, and it's colorful. I mean, I just, I like all of the very all the different... There's five tribes and, you know, they make them all very distinct. Uh, the river ones, of course, with the lip plugs are the most prominent. Isaac de Bangkok, who is who uh, is always in Jim Jarmusch movies, he's playing the leader of that. Real fun role.
1: honestly, Any kind of gauging, be it the Starbucks employee giving me my latte with the gauged ears or the people with the stretched lips, that kind of body mod is honestly disturbing to me.
0: But it makes it fun. And again, I just, it's just a cool setting. All I'm really saying here is that I feel joyous watching this celebration. And then, of course, there's got to be someone to challenge the leader. I really thought it would be Shuri. <laughs>
1: they say, There's anyone of royal blood and she raises her hand, but she's just going to make a corset joke. But I would have loved to see the princess be like, why does the boy have to
2: be the king? Why can't I? Yeah, she does in the comics take over as the Black Panther for a while.
0: Yeah, I just bought that action figure. You know, she may not have challenged him, but she wins. I mean, I definitely feel like all the women steal the movie away from Chadwick. I agree. I heard some
1: people on the way out going, this is is the movie wonder woman should have been that's what i overheard said by some women and i
2: i kind of agree i'm not sure what that means i don't know why they both can't be good female presentation movies they they both work no but i i feel like wonder woman
1: let people down in certain ways because there was one woman with a bunch of guys and she didn't have the intelligence of the world and all of that whereas this was self-determinant women who were i felt more three-dimensional than Wonder Woman.
0: Well, because we've already had our say about Wonder Woman. I'll say this, that when it's just boys fighting with boys, it's less interesting. We kind of know how this is going to go when M'Baku wanders in doing the ape noises and saying, I want to take the throne away. I mean... There's no way he's the villain of this movie. I didn't realize this, but apparently he is a comic book villain known as Man-Ape.
2: Yeah, they, I feel like they, under a, a black director, they, they've they made some things that might be a little insensitive coming from, you know, Stan Lee in the 60s and Jack Kirby in the 60s. They've made it more relevant.
0: Yes, I feel like we've had this dialogue before with Planet of the Apes. It's an uncomfortable association. Uh, you don't want black people to look more primitive, but yeah, I, I just get the sense that yes he is supposed to be strong and aggressive like a gorilla we're supposed to think that chishala is going to be challenged by this but come on he's kind of like doping right he gets to drink this purple flower mixture before the fight so i feel like it's kind of
2: rigged well no no they take it away he drinks it to take that power away he has to fight under his own power
0: oh is that what it is
2: yeah they're they're taking away the power of the black panther
0: oh huh I totally didn't get that on two viewings. Okay. That's better. That's how it should be.
1: <laughs> yeah. He goes back and forth quite a bit in this movie. It was like
0: Superman goes in the red chamber, comes back out, goes back in, <laughs> comes back out. I just thought like he just had to keep doing it or something. I, I knew he was drinking a lot of that purple flower, but they seemed to have a lot of them. So I didn't know what it, what it necessarily meant, but okay. So he was fighting fair against the big guy, pins him down and then he gets his, powers again and a trip to meet his old dad on the ancestral plane when he goes and lies in the orange sand.
1: And the visiting of the spirits really, you know, this is kind of my problem when the Marvel Comics universe got too big, too. I'm like, so is this a different dimension? Could Doctor Strange pop (laughs) up here sometime if you want to speak to the dead? Can Tony Stark drink a flower and go have a reunion with his dad where he had some daddy issues? You know, could Cap go see Peggy? It just If you start stretching it out across a universe, it's honestly best to view Black Panther almost as a standalone film, but I like this reunion, and we're going to find out Sachaka. At this point, when he's visiting, we still think T'Chaka is a completely good man. You know, we saw him as a good man in the last film, but here he tells his son, you're a good man. It's hard for a good man to be a king. I didn't catch that as foreshadowing that T'Chaka did some dirty things.
0: Yeah, I was assuming this story was going to be a a pep talk, you know, like, oh, you just have to have confidence in yourself and you could be king too. No, it's going to be the story of finding out you thought I was good and I did some shit. Shady things. I killed my brother.
2: It's kind of going back to Thor Ragnarok where you find out Odin teamed up with his daughter to like conquer all these places and then try to cover that up and whitewash it all. Right.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate that Marvel sees gradients. I appreciate that we have reached the point now where I just don't think audiences would accept a completely altruistic, never-do-bad kind of hero.
2: That's not the Marvel way. I mean, the, the Mar- House of Marvel is built on these fallible heroes that are like regular people and screw up like regular people. That's what made Marvel Marvel.
0: And Marvel always has a romantic character, f- Foil, for their superhero this time it's Nakia. And Nakia, first of all, it's Lupita Neongo
1: from... I know best as Maz Kanata from Star Wars. Yes,
0: of course. Great vocal work. Yeah, it's not where she got her Oscar, (laughs) but yes, she does play a turtle in Star Wars. I did see 12 Years a Slave. She is
1: amazing in that.
0: And of course, just a fashion icon too. I always see her on the cover of magazines. She's beautiful and always advertising makeup, what have you. She's actually, you know, I think... Still at the start of her career, still hasn't done a whole lot of work to have an expectation about what kind of character she might play. And what's funny is I didn't realize
1: she could be light. I really like her character of Nakia in this movie. And for some reason, I just thought of her, I thought of her more as Okoye. I didn't realize she could have a sense of humor. But I think we're going to find out the reason that Nakia and T'Challa broke up was about the view of how Wakanda should treat the world. She's thinking they should be taking in refugees and helping those around them, whereas T'Challa and his father before him stayed isolationists.
0: Yeah, and it's very topical. I mean, this is the inverse of what we're going through right now here in America, and I just think how interesting to think of it. In these terms, that this debate could happen in Africa is really cool.
1: It's going to come out a lot of ways. We're also going to find out that Okoye is lovers with Wakabi, and Wakabi is one who's felt like T'Chaka was too isolationist. He says to T'Challa, if you tell me to go out and wage war and take over the world, I would be happy to do that.
2: Yeah, and he's going the one that wants Claw. Like when Claw comes into this film, he's like bring him back here.
1: I love Wakandan technology, while I feel that somebody from Stark Enterprises went over to Wakanda or somebody from Wakanda slipped some designs to Stark cuz their ships look a lot like the Quinjets. But I love their little holograms, the way they come up out of those nanites and are fully three-dimensional. When they
0: bring up the image of Claw, that was pretty badass. Yeah, my sense is that this technology is all particulate. That they just have little fine shavings of vibranium, and it can just be molded through magnetism into whatever you need it to be. So, yeah, you could even create a little mini-you and talk... To likenesses of people you know through your, you know, Apple Watch. It's it is recognizable technology, but obviously far beyond what we can do now. And you're right, in this moment when we have the what I call the James Bond cue scene, yes. you know, this is definitely like let me just show you all the things you're gonna be using in this movie, including a suit that literalizes that which does not kill you makes you stronger. It actually, (laughs) everything you do to him is actually only going to make him more powerful.
2: Do you feel like they only gave it this power so they could put some color to it so when two Black Panthers fight at the end you could tell them apart?
1: Well the other one's also a lot more gold but I did wonder because they released action figures of this and they did way back when Tron Legacy came out Marvel tied in thanks to Disney and did a bunch of Tron covers for comics where their marvel heroes were in tron and i really thought when i saw the action figures that they were hearkening back to that black panther tron cover but no they actually have that in the movie that is suit glows purple if that's from the comics i don't know it it's not from any video games i've played but it's kind of cool it's reminding me of kevin bacon's character in x-men first class
0: because he had that same thing right he could absorb the kinetic energy and fire it back uh, you know i'm looking this more for like what does it mean for a black superhero to be able to do this and you know that it's it's sort of a community ethos right that like we've had all of this hardship and slavery and all that have have befallen africans and yet it's only made them stronger in the end i think that's the point of why it works this way It's metaphorical. You take enormous pain and injustice, you make it an asset. And you make it a cool necklace that they can probably sell. (laughs) They're probably already selling it. Yeah, high prices. I've seen a
1: purse with it on it so far, but I haven't seen the replica necklaces yet. But it is a cool suit. I like the look of it. I really liked what they did, literalizing the Black Panther in Civil War. Here, he's going to get suit 2.0 and... The purple effects really do add a lot when you have him in the night. I I like when she makes fun of him. They're shooting at me. Let me put on my helmet. And so they get this one that I think he and Tony Stark could have some fun one-upsmanship with who has the better suit.
0: Yeah, they feel like two different universes. It's really hard to imagine him playing well with the other Avengers, even though we've kind of seen it already. I don't know. This world is so self-contained. It's kind of like Thor. I just... I don't know how he'll fit in when he gets to Infinity War.
2: I don't know though. I feel like as opposed to Thor, which does feel like it is a whole other dimension or world, I do feel like Wakanda expands the Marvel universe in these films like it it's not just New York or LA where Iron Man always is. I it's cool that yeah, there are superheroes in other countries and they got their own technologies. I don't know. To me, the the way they show Wakanda and all this tech, it really makes this Marvel Cinematic Universe just deeper and richer to me.
1: And I love that they went James Bond with it, with this cue scene here where she gives him the special communicator, the new improved EMPs, the thing that'll allow her to remote control a car and his new suit. If this entire movie had stayed james bond in the marvel universe i would have loved it it's the first hour is 100 percent that down to having felix
2: lighter so yeah this is when we really get our villains in this film we see eric he is helping claw steal some vibranium from a british museum
1: i'm glad i saw this movie twice again because the first time we have michael b jordan's eric killmonger going around talking to somebody at a museum about african tribal relics and He mentions you've had all these guards ever since I was in here, but you didn't look at what you were putting in your body. And I'm like, did he poison the coffee? Did he give her the
2: coffee? His girlfriend works at the coffee stand.
1: Yeah, I guess that lady must have a coffee at that time every morning, and it was the (laughs) girlfriend who poisoned the coffee. But that's a nice little subtle thing that I liked.
2: Yeah, I just like, again... This being about the black experience, the, you know, you hear stories all the time. You They go into a clothing store and they get followed around by all the security, even though they haven't done anything. So, yeah, the fact that he's noticing all these security guards just swarming around him because there's a black guy in the museum, it, it's a nice call out.
0: And it's poetic justice. I mean, he's going to point out all these artifacts that you, the British white expert, know all about and are here to tell me about They were stolen, and I am going to do the same thing. Now, I'm going to repay that. And you don't even know the real history, because this acts as Wakanda. The fact that the museum was in
1: London, I felt it carried a lot of weight. You know, there's a lot of movies that mention colonialism, but this movie not only mentions it, it's really about colonialism in that regard. And it does have this irony of... Is it wrong to steal artifacts from a museum that were stolen from people centuries ago? But it's certainly wrong when you have tattooed Andy Serkis come in to shoot everybody. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I like Andy Circus in this movie a hell of a lot. I didn't like Claw in Age of Ultron. I felt he was shoehorned in. I didn't know what he was doing there. I didn't think he added much. But here, Andy Circus gives him this maniacal thing. And he's he's a James Bond villain with the gun in the arm, this blaster, this vibranium drilling tool that he can use to break glass or fire bolts at people. I think Andy Circus brings a lot of fun energy to this role. And what has very little CGI over him.
0: Yeah, he's a lot of fun, and I think Michael B. Jordan is awesome. I'm going to call him maybe the Marvel's best villain ever. I can't think of a better one. Seconded, he's at least the most fleshed out. He has the most reasoning behind him. But I do have to ask, why are they working together? It doesn't really make sense. It made sense for his father to work with Ulysses because that was how he was going to get vibranium out of Wakanda and into the hands of black communities. But this guy just needs to go back to
2: Wakanda, right? Well, it feels like he somehow knows that's his in to Wakanda. Like it feels like it was always Killmonger's plan to kill Claw and present the body to get in there.
0: But why not do that right away? Why use him in this museum piece? Did he really need another guy with guns to be the EMT? I don't know. I just don't see that they have much in common to work together
1: did he even need this vibranium axe for anything because the vibranium axe is going to be taken by claw to supposedly be sold to the cia and what does any of that gain eric claw says you're going to be a rich man but eric doesn't care about money
2: i will say this: i mean whatever happens in south korea that this first hour of this movie i am not that engaged in And I don't understand how it plays out. Everything interesting in this movie takes place once Killmonger shows up in Wakanda. Why he gets there, I don't really know what any of this has to do with that, but I'm just waiting for him to get there.
1: I disagree. And what I wonder is if he was together with Claw because his, he knew through his dad that Claw wanted vibranium. And it was in South Korea that he realized Claw's body could be his ticket to get right into Wakanda because you can't just plan your vacation. You can't go to your local tourist agent or orbits and say, yeah, I want to go to Wakanda for safari. You know, you just can't do that sort of thing. But I like this first hour more than the second hour. I really do. I like the parts with Claw. I like the casino scene a whole hell of a lot where you get Nakia, Okoya, And T'Challa in this parlor,
2: and there's Ross. I do love Akoyo dealing with her wig. She hates that wig.
0: Yeah, and again, these are the little details where this is why you want a black director, right? I mean, have you ever seen Chris Rock's good hair? You know, this is a political (laughs) issue. It seems like not a big deal, but black women's hair comes with a whole lot of connotations. Go see that movie if you want to understand that. I It opened my eyes. I had no idea about any of that. And it's just a little detail in here, but it speaks volumes.
1: Yeah, there was a book I read back in the 90s called nappy hair that opened my eyes to that.
0: Yeah, she's a natural sister that doesn't like the fact that she's got to wear a wig and it's the first thing that comes off when she breaks out the spear. You gotta love Okoye. I just think that she is another just Jim in the supporting character. I hope she's going to be fighting in the Infinity War. I think I saw (laughs) her running with Cap in the
2: trailer. Yeah, I do think we got a shot of that.
0: Yeah, strangely, she is not the one
1: in Civil War who told black widow move or you will be moved the person who said that is one of okoye's sergeants there but she's the general and i've not watched enough walking dead to get a bead on her character michonne from that But she is great here. I really think she kicks serious ass. She can do these moves. But even before the action, I like just the tete-a-tete between Ross and T'Challa, where Ross is like, I'm CIA, don't interfere. T'Challa's like, I'm taking him.
2: The fact that it's CIA, there is what drives home that this is James Bond, because he always runs into the CIA guy in those films.
0: Felix Leiter, yep. I mean, this even feels like that scene in Skyfall, where Moneypenny and Daniel Craig are in some Asian club I mean it looks like that club except they're playing the weekend
2: yeah and except there's no Stan Lee in that James Bond. I gotta say this has got to be the worst Stanley cameo like it feels so shoehorned in like they didn't even want him in this film
0: <laughs> yeah I think maybe we shouldn't ask too much out of Stan Lee in the future if this is the kind of things maybe he can do it just it seemed like boy he doesn't have a whole lot of energy or something and so we'll just have him collecting Black Panther's earnings which are going to be considerable
1: yeah I mean. I like seeing Stanley. It got a huge reaction from the audience. I couldn't even hear what he said the first time I saw it, because the audience was roaring. Just to see him on screen is what they want. They don't care what he says. The second time I got to hear him say, oh, I'll just keep the winnings over here for safekeeping. It's just to put him in there, and there's not a lot of room for people just to poke their head in and say one line in this movie.
0: And it's funny, too. I mean, I guess he's supposed to be the hero, But there's a dark side to making Martin Freeman, CIA agent, a collaborator, right? I mean, it's it's underlined in here that he actually will end up working for the villain that Eric slash Killmonger got all of his—every scar on his body is a life that he took— and all of that came from working for the CIA and black ops operations.
2: Yeah, is Ross, they're not there to bust claw, are they? Do Is it that the Americans just want some vibranium so they're willing to buy it from them? No, they're there to bust claw. They are. With who else? Who else was going to help Ross? I think it's sticky. They were
1: counting the Americans, and there were five Americans, and then Ross was six. And then once Claw enters, six more Americans come in. It was a trap to get Claw, and they wanted to take him back to the States.
0: Yeah, I know that that's how they want us to read it. And I know that there's going to be limits to how much Disney is going to allow Kugler to portray American forces in such a way. But they do talk about the CIA destabilizing countries. And, you know, there's an ugly history in South America. And I could just see him kind of slipping in the idea that we should trust Freeman a little. But maybe not too much.
1: Freeman does become, though, part of the gang by the end. I was surprised he would actually have a role in the climax. They would find something for him to do.
0: Yes, and I think they even pulled back certain details. We can discuss as we get into it. Here, he aids the women by picking them up after they have an incredible car chase in which their uh, vibranium vehicle ends up in pieces. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That got a big laugh when the, you know, claw blasts
1: it and disintegrates it and when nakia is still behind the wheel and it comes up but there was a huge cheer when akoya got on the hood of the car and threw that spear stabs with her spear yeah (laughs) through the windshield of the car in front of her causing it to crash people were loving the action from them and of course black panther's action was great too but it just And again, it looked so fake when he
0: turned that Lexus 90 degrees. And she's doing everything he's doing. I'm like, why is he king? Why is he better? Why does he need a security detail? It's because he's not as cool as they are. And his sister just loving to remote control
1: drive the car. It was yet another James Bond type feel that that I couldn't believe was actually setting something up for later. I just thought it was
2: fun for now. But the real moment, the first time I really feel some kind of danger or threat after this car chase, they do capture Klob Black Panther gets him. He's going to kill him. It seems like, except everyone's filming on with their cell phones. Here's what I can't remember.
0: Obviously the CIA knows that this new King is this superhero, but nobody else knows that. So I'm not sure it would reflect poorly on Wakanda I also don't believe that up to this point, Chadwick has played it so low. I mean, so low energy, low boil. You just don't get a lot of anything extroverted out of him. He's going to kill this guy? I just, that felt like a false note. I just didn't see why that moment he would lose control. No, it's not like this is the guy who killed Tachaka. If he had been the one who killed his father,
1: I could get it. But the fact that it's just this guy who... He has caused Wakanda some problems when Wakabi says to chachala promise me you will kill him or you will bring him back. T'Challa says, yeah, I give you my word. I will bring him back. And so to see chachala like, I'm going to gut you in front of these people with their
0: cell phones. It did seem a little weird. Yeah, the whole point is he's ruling like his father. He's trying to be like his father. And we know his father didn't intervene. It's kind of weird that he's even left the throne. Well, I got to assume all the kings left the throne at
1: some point. It's strange to think of the king being on the front lines, but I guess if you go back to Shakespeare, that's what happened, and things like Macbeth, the king would lead his people into
2: battle. I don't know if they were traveling around the world, but yeah, I got the sense that they'd be the ones keeping their borders safe.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we did see his father go and kill his brothers, so we know it happened, but the impression I got is because they were, Isolationist. He just didn't go out. They had spies for that. He didn't need to do anything but sit. He was a very passive leader in that respect. And I, I also don't understand this moment. They allow the CIA to take CLAW and interrogate him in a place that's very insecure when they could easily have whisked him away in their spaceship back to Wakanda.
2: Yeah, just like they could have taken the brother and the son and all that. I mean, this is very convenient, very plot driven. What I like about this moment, this is where I feel like the plot actually thickens and feels dangerous, is when Ross goes to talk to Claw, and Claw's like, "Uh, you know, they got all this technology. They could totally wipe you out. And there's that moment like, oh, is the U.S. going to turn on Wakanda? Are they going to try to invade? Now, that's not going to really play out in this story, but I thought it was an interesting thread that they could have gone with.
1: I thought it was really interesting that, yeah, when Claw reveals that information, and this is Andy Circus's spotlight scene for me. I liked him in the casino talking about his mixtape, but this is just great. I see you. I love him in this. And when he gives... Ross, that information, Ross stops asking Claw about Claw's illegal activities and immediately goes out to confront the Black Panther. And yeah, Black Panther could have taken Claw, but he says this is easier to just work with the CIA instead of starting an international incident. He's a king. He has to be a diplomat. So I understood that. But he's also telling Ross, as soon as you're done, I am taking him. But before that can happen, Killmonger is going to show up wearing a really kick ass mask. I just, I believe Jordan, when he delivered that line in the museum, when he sees the mask, he's like, I'm just feeling it. And he grabs it and wears it. And Jordan has such amazing body movements in this. I've noticed on two watchings, he moves in a very serpentine fashion. When he walks his swagger, he kind of just goes back and
0: forth like a cobra.
2: It feels like he's moving like a gangster.
0: Yeah, it's a gangster lane. Yeah, it's. For sure. He's he's definitely American. You know, he's very American and militant and angry. And he is the opposite of T'Challa. He is who is cool, collected, hesitant to do anything. It's two different conceptions of black power. They both could be, quote unquote, the Black Panther. Only one is going to survive this movie.
2: And I wish we would have got to this point quicker because Jordan is so great in this film. The great Marvel, out of very few great Marvel supervillains, yeah, he may be the best one. I I like this whole dilemma. Like, how do you go about freeing other Africans, African-Americans in the U.S., around the world, when you have all this crazy space technology? Is isolationism the right thing? Like, I wish the movie was more about that and less about punching. There's not a whole lot of punching. There's, there's a lot of talking in this film. It, it's not as action-packed as a lot of other... Other Marvel films but the debate is so interesting I wish we could sink our teeth more into that that's why this first hour is kind of uh, get rid of it because I want to get to this interesting stuff the real dilemma here
1: I agree but when I watched it twice in two days I found the first hour to be more rewatchable than the debate of the second hour I agree it's the more interesting ideas and I think that both Bozeman and Jordan are are just everybody down the line is incredible in this film. But Jordan is so captivating. Again, he's an actor I've really liked in things. And I just think he owns the screen here. But yeah, he's not even so much a villain. He's a CIA operative. He has a lot of kills. And when he goes to Wakanda. He's not overthrowing
0: through force. He's following their traditions. Well, what we see is that he doesn't care about other life. That in order to get to Wakanda he's going to kill his girlfriend. You know, He's just going to ice whoever. He doesn't have compassion and this movie's going to strongly advocate that you can't be a leader. Only a leader who's compassionate has the total perspective. You could be angry and you could be the head of security but if you want to lead a people, you need to love them as well as fight and anger. And that's what, yeah, I mean, you're right. Jacob is hitting it for me. I want to get to this faster. This movie to me is in three parts. Uh, the first part is just expository. You know, we just need to establish every all the rules and who everyone is. That part is colorful. I wouldn't call it fun, but it's necessary. You'd be lost without some of that. The second James Bond adventure falsely leads you to the impression that he's going to be a spy going around solving a case. It ends up meaning very little this Busan thing, and and yeah, it makes you just wish that as cool as Circus is, we had just gotten rid of him maybe in the first 30 minutes. I wish Circus hadn't died in this film. I wish that
1: we could have left him out there to possibly return again in the future because I liked him that much. But yeah, he is a bit of a distraction for this film's motifs. And I agree. I think the second half is, you know, it almost is the exact one hour mark when we're going to shift. And as much as I love the designs of Wakanda, and I really do, the way they've fleshed out how this city or country works with its underground railroad, actually, they have a train that's underground and a bunch of labs underground and all the things above ground. I also like movies that jet set to cool locations, and I thought South Korea was filmed really well. I wouldn't mind a Black Panther, James Bond film, but that's not where this is going. This is going back to Wakanda and we're going to stay there the rest of the film.
0: And again, it's not like Ulysses showed eric the way to get to wakanda he does nothing to get him to wakanda he just he needs he feels he needs the body in order to appease the border guards
2: i mean he has the lip tattoo we'll see as well this is just a way i think to get some of those tribes on his side
0: yeah i mean they are particularly angry at circus because it was said that daniel kaluuya's character lost his parents uh, when that bomb went off in 92. And so that's why it's personal for him to get that revenge, to see the man that killed the man that killed his parents. That's enough to at least get him a meeting. And he comes in and he is, again, just
1: so confident. The fact that he comes in in the first meeting... And is like, I want the throne. And people laugh, but he has a right to the throne.
2: Yeah. And this is where the whole history with the the father killing his dad comes out. Everyone seems super shocked. Again, I'm not, I'm not sure why. It's Forrest Whitaker who has to
1: give this information. You know, that's what Forrest Whitaker's here to do is he has the secrets from before. He's going to reveal the secrets and then he's quickly going to die.
0: Yeah. And this is where T'Challa already knows. And he doesn't want the rest of the room to know. He's kind of like talking to the guy out of the side of his mouth. He's like, can we just keep it down? I I know who you are and I feel bad about what happened to you. I mean, I recognize that my father probably should have done something to help you in your circumstance of being orphaned, but don't ruin my kingdom here. He's playing PR games. I don't know what they knew about Najobo. I assume everyone was told he just died in America and never had a kid and... You know, they just accepted it. They mentioned that he went missing. Okay. But at but this point,
1: I would think missing means dead. I would too. And it actually confused me because I'm like went missing when they first said that i'm like but this isn't Najobu this is eric
2: yeah i'm like i'm like michael b jordan he's not like 50 years old at this point he's too mm-hmm. young to be the dad
0: the timeline's a little goofy that it's taken this guy this many years to come here he's gonna have an incredible speech that just it reads well because jordan's a good actor of like i had to kill all of these people to get to this moment but it actually, I don't know why, <laughs> there's there's no real reason he had to kill anybody. He could have come here as soon as he got the map, which, you know, was hidden in his dad's locker. He didn't get coordinates from Ulysses. It, it really, all the time that he spent, I assume, is just maybe training his body for the fight. But it is not necessary for him to, to have come here to do this. To wait so long.
2: I guess if you have a right to the crown, you could challenge at any time, just not at that ceremony we saw at the beginning. No, I think it was only at the beginning,
0: but
1: because he wasn't there for it, because they didn't know about it.
0: And he's royal blood. I mean, he comes by this correctly. I mean, that is what's going to be the pull between some of the women, is that you have... Akoya, who's going to be like, you know what, I don't like the guy, but I I work for the throne, so my lip will tremble as he takes it away, but I'm going to serve him. And meanwhile, the spy, Nakia, is going to be like, no, I'm going to overthrow him, because that's what we do. And T'Challa didn't have to
1: take this challenge, you know? He only had to take the challenge beforehand. I mean, it's not like... Eric is a direct lineage of the throne. He was the king's nephew. If the king had no direct heirs, perhaps the nephew would have a greater thing. But I think it's only because T'Challa has only been in power for a couple days that he agrees, all right, let's
2: go through this again. And perhaps he's overconfident. We'll find out about Ross, who was taken to get healed. And like he wakes up and he's like, how long has it been? Oh, just a day. Yeah, this is all moving very fast.
1: I love it when Ross shows up and... When Shuri says, oh, another broken white boy for us to fix, I immediately knew they meant Winter Soldier.
0: Yeah, and it's a fun inverse, again, of a debate we're having right now with refugees. How to accept them from Africa, and what does it mean? Are they going to be a threat to see that reversed here and, and should we keep taking in these damaged white boys it, it's funny but it's also meaningful and it's smart
2: yeah it, it's meaningful because they were worried oh now the American CIA knows about our technology is he going to try to exploit that is he gonna try to steal it so again I don't think that threat comes off as much as it should in the movie but I, I wish it felt more dangerous to bring Ross back and to heal him but it's there
0: yeah I mean CIA is a dirty word And again, read up on the history of the actual Black Panther Party, and I think you'll get that more. I I really
1: felt that risk, is that there's not an if. If they take Ross back, he will report to his superiors that Wakanda has this technology, and then what will happen? I never took it as... The Americans would invade Wakanda, but it's certainly going to change
0: how they're treated. Then you probably should read more about what the CIA has done in other countries. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the subtext there is not only will they know, but they will come and get it and they will cripple us.
2: And he spells that out when he talks about. Killmonger. I mean, I I love it when Eric takes off his shirt for this fight for the throne and, you know, we we were told, oh, he scars himself for every person he's killed. No, he's killed a whole bunch of people. He is covered. And Ross will spell out what his CIA training means. Like, you go in and you disrupt and you you cause internal like what we're accusing the Russians of doing with our elections. Right.
0: Yeah. And I don't think the Russians meddled in this waterfall fight. I mean, I think he comes by this, honestly. It's a brutal scene, but... Eric wants it more. Let's just face it. Eric is going to fight harder because he's trained his whole life for this and it means something to him. And on the other side of things, T'Challa has to defend something he can't really, in his mind, rationalize. And so just the mental war, even before they start swinging at each other, T'Challa, Black Panther has already lost. Yeah, it is a real brutal fight.
1: It bothers me Honestly, this movie's PG-13. I think its themes are certainly for 13 and up. I saw some five-year-olds who were
2: restless in this movie. Yeah, kids are going to be bored during this one.
1: And horrified. But by the same token, this is a bloodless movie, by and large. T'Challa gets impaled twice, and we don't see a drop of blood later. Somebody's going to get their throat slit, we don't see a drop of blood. For violence reasons, this could be a really soft PG.
0: Arnie, come on! Are you kidding me? that is so, that's the most brutal thing that has ever happened in a Marvel movie. We see a sword go across a woman's neck. That is like, how did they get it into PG 13? Blood or no blood?
2: By not putting blood.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get it. Because we don't show blood, it doesn't matter that people are getting things stuck in them. But this is horribly violent and i was sitting around children and they were reacting very much to this kind of stuff this is i would say don't bring your kids for that reason not that they'll be bored but they'll be scarred yeah i didn't have any reaction either one
1: to this fight i did when he beat mbaku the first night audience cheered this one i didn't hear any gasps or anything the first night i did hear gasps when t'challa was thrown off the waterfall because everybody's like you just killed the character." Every single person in the audience except me believed it, because I'm like, I've seen him in the
2: Infinity War trailer. Yeah, but you know he's going to lose this.
0: Is it telling that I don't mind that he's not in the next 20 minutes?
2: (laughs) No, I want Michael B. Jordan, more of him in this film.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly feel like he is making such little impact because he has to play a somewhat impotent, recessed introverted character he just hasn't had the opportunity to make an impression in his own star vehicle and so other people again i don't even notice after he falls off the waterfall i assume he'll come back at some point
2: i didn't have a reaction when Forrest whitaker dies in this no it's telling that killmonger jordan's spirit journey when he gets buried after he wins and he drinks the purple flower and he's got a much more emotional spirit journey than T'Challa had meeting his father
0: yeah this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie I mean him going back we we know what to expect but it doesn't end up on a African plane it's in the housing project in Oakland
2: I do love though if you look outside they have those mystical you know, sky and clouds that we saw in the African landscape the purple
1: yeah I think that's a really pretty look for
0: wherever that land is and it's just a chilling you know, the father's like, aren't you going to, you know, no tears for your old man? And it's, his response is just, eeh. It, it just tells you how broken he is inside. Everybody dies. It's just life around here. I mean, eeh. and that's being said. By kid Eric. That's not even Michael B. Jordan. That's
1: 10-year-old Eric. And I think that kid gave a great delivery of that line. I'm like, that sounds just like Michael B. Jordan would have said it. He's really a good kid actor.
2: And I love when you cut back to Jordan as an adult, then he is crying. Like it's it's a great scene.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. Again, it humanizes. It doesn't exonerate, it doesn't make us like the villain. But it humanizes the villain. We understand what he stands for. And I do think that's when movies are at their best. When you can understand where everyone comes from. You know, you still have your favorite characters. You still find your way using your own moral compass. But it's going to provide answers for everyone. I just think that this is good writing. And the fact that N'Jobu is
1: crying there makes me think that he had his ideas but Eric has taken them much further and even N'Jobu thinks Eric has gone too far.
0: Oh yeah, he's definitely gone too far at this, I mean, we'll see at the end he's just bloodthirsty. I mean, it doesn't feel like he's empowering black communities. It feels like he's drunk on power and yet to him, he doesn't see the difference. He doesn't see how corrupted he's been having killed all those people but every mark on his body Body has been chipping away at his soul. We get it in this scene. He grabs one of the gardeners, chokes her, Darth Vader style, is like, burn all the flowers. Yeah, he got the
1: power of the Black Panther and he. I see it two ways. First of all, it is smart of him to say, I don't want anybody else to be able to have this power, so burn them all. By the same token, I'm like, thank God we're not going to have Black Panther 2, 3, and 4 where everybody's eating these damn
0: flowers. Yeah, they need to limit it, right? Because otherwise you could have a whole army of Black Panthers.
2: Yeah, give it to the tribes, give it to your guards. And it's a
1: gorgeous shot. You know, I've harped on the CGI, but I do think Kugler brings some good visuals here. When we see Jordan standing there in shadow, in silhouette, lit from the sides by the f- reflection of the flames of those f- flowers going up, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous shot.
0: Yeah, so props to Rachel Morrison, who's the cinematographer, up for an Oscar this year for Mudbound. So, yeah, a lot of Oscar-nominated people working on this movie. The camera woman is one of them. And meanwhile, T'Challa washed ashore and was found
1: by a jumbari fisherman and so he was taken up and put in snow a
0: little i don't know how to read that because later it'll be said they're vegetarians
2: yeah i was just gonna say that like (laughs) i don't know there's some people that don't consider fish to be meat so they don't look like vegetarians no you don't get that big not eating some meat you need that protein
1: i actually thought Umbaku was his family was vegetarian but it wasn't a thing for the whole tribe I thought it was literally just him. M'Baku got the biggest laughs of the entire movie and they all come starting around this scene because we're in such dramatic moments, I guess. When M'Baku says his lines that cut the tension, people absolutely love them. But the vegetarian line, the fact that he will not allow Ross to speak and says if you speak again, I'll feed you to my children. He just gets a huge laugh both times I saw the movie.
2: I I also think they had to do that because they want to make it a point. This is a black movie we don't need white people chiming in telling us what to do but i think if they had it come off too militant there'd be blowback on that so they cut it with a joke
0: i think there might be set up here for a sequel as well you say he's a villain in the comics it's just said by queen mother as they're approaching the cave she says we might be creating a bigger problem by doing this they are going to empower this community they're going to allow them to come into the battle and maybe into the fold
2: well they were going to give him the flower so he could be cu- have the power of the black panther to defeat killmonger
0: right so uh, maybe i could see him being incorporated in some storyline a black panther two or three where maybe uh, he's a villain again but for the purposes of this climax they need him, and it just so happens that he saved T'Challa anyway, as a payment for not killing him on the waterfall, I guess.
1: But he's not going to say that until the queen and the princess and Ross all get on their knees begging for his help and offering him the flower. They don't show up, and he's like, oh, I'm glad you're here. By the way, I have your son. He's almost dead. You want to see him? Yeah. <laughs>
0: don't move him from this pile of snow we have him on. Literally on ice. Almost like cryogenics.
2: Yeah. Just like Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and some vault. Of- Underneath Disneyland. Yes.
1: <laughs> and of course, they're going to give him the last flower. Very big of Mbaku does not take the flower for himself when obviously that would have been very helpful to him. And that's going to be the magic that brings T'Challa back to life. And I do like Okoya's storyline in here, though. She would not help, she would not leave. She is loyal to the throne. The fact that we see these strong women in opposition of each other. They believe different things, made me feel these were really fleshed-out characters that I enjoyed watching on screen. It's weird to me that all of these Marvel heroes have strong, supported casts that, you know, you just can't carry all of the supporting casts into these combo films. They're left behind. But it's almost like every single Marvel film is a super team film now. And Akoya and all of them. Shuri feel like they're part of the Black Panther super team.
0: Yeah, this group does have the dynamic that I think the Avengers did when they first assembled in the first movie. You know, everyone's got their own ideas. Sometimes it brings them together. Sometimes it puts them in opposition. The one that I really like is Akoya is dating Wakabi. Wakabi is like, I'm for it. I work the border. I deal with people trying to get in here all the time. We should open up for refugees. We should arm them. We should Should go take the battle to other countries and she's like nope we need to follow tradition and it's going to drive a wedge in their relationship.
2: I like all this stuff. It feels very rushed. And maybe it's easier to grasp it all seeing it twice. I only saw this once, but because you do have five different tribes and this whole backstory and they have different allegiances and we spent an hour outside of Wakanda. Like I feel like this would have all been service better if we spent more time in Wakanda so I could understand all these dynamics. I, I get what people are saying. I just wish I felt it a bit more.
1: I agree that I forgot These two were in a relationship until they explicitly say it later on. It just, those two. We never get to see them have a romantic scene together. And this film, it's over two hours long. I'm not saying we need to elongate it by seeing them have a romantic dinner after a battle. But I did completely forget on my first watching that that was a dynamic there. But I don't feel it in those two.
2: Is that what the rhino stops with her? Like, I felt like you got to set up that rhino earlier. I didn't get that part later on. Yeah,
1: because he trains the rhinos and he's with her. And so obviously she knows the rhinos too. I I love the, I love rhinos in armor. I just, what can I say? It reminds me of Battle Cat. (laughs)
0: It's an awesome visual. It's worth pointing out one other break in between the characters, probably the most important one, although doesn't feel like it. Because, again, am I paying attention to Black Panther? No, but he breaks with tradition. He breaks with his father. He has that choice coming out of his coma where he could go die with them and live on the plane or he could come back and fix what they screwed up. And that's really what gives him the will. To live and to go to this climax.
1: Yeah, I never thought that dying was an option for him. Not just for meta reasons, but I was surprised that when... They gave him the flower, so he's going to be healed. So when he shows up and his dad's like all right, time to come with us. <laughs> it was like, wait, no, he got the flower. If he had had that conversation before the flower, I would have believed it. But at that point, it's like, no,
2: maybe they were just confused why he showed back up on that plane. Like maybe you're only supposed to show up there once when you first get that burial ritual and he's shown up a second time. So they're like, oh, you must've died,
1: but he's had it at least three times because you get it every time you become the black Panther. And so he was the black Panther initially making me wonder who you see when you're, dad's still alive
2: but did they bury him that that, that's all part of the burial ritual
1: i think so i think you have to be buried as part of the getting the black panther power thing and so he did that because he wasn't becoming king this third time he was just again getting the powers of the black panther
0: and so this is at least the third time he's walked on the spirit plane Right. And the last. There's no more flowers to drink, so we never have to see T'Chaka again.
2: They'll find a bud. They'll find a little seedling.
1: Yeah, exactly. If they want to make Shuri into the female Black Panther like they did in the comics, they'll find one. Maybe we'll find out
0: Groot can grow Um. them. (laughs) But anyway, we got to get to a climax and boy, they give a whole lot to do to everybody. It's another whirly gig. I don't know if we need to go point by point. It's mostly just sort of an overwhelming battle in which I feel like the best scenes are, again, the the women.
1: Oh, the best scenes are certainly the Lord of the Rings type battle where it's on the ground and it is daylight and you see it all. And there's the rhinos in the armor and... The border guard have these shields. They're actually just cloths that can project shields. Everything up there is interesting. And every time the women are fighting Eric, it's interesting. When Eric and Chachala get down on that train track, though... Man, I was so disinterested, and when Eric dies, I'm like, I didn't even see that
2: blow coming. That was the worst fight. I was waiting for them to get on that train track, because they set that up. Ross is, like, looking at it, and they're like, oh, those beams, those deactivate the vibranium so we can move it really fast. And so I'm like, okay, so they're going to end up on that track, and their suits aren't going to work, and that's how they're going to fight each other, and one's going to die. Worse than that, Marvel released the train track fight as a clip, so I thought it was, like, going to be halfway through the movie.
1: I'd seen half of that fight. I'm like, how could you release your climax as a
0: clip? That's bad marketing. Well, there's not a whole lot of fights between the villain and the hero. I think maybe that was a mistake of, or, you know, just something that got lost in the agenda heaviness of the screenplay. They had a lot of boxes to tick. And so what gets lost is that we don't get the villain and the hero fighting each other. Other than at the waterfall and here on the train tracks. And the
1: waterfall may not have had the superhero vibe they want to sell because it's not in the costume. I get that. I don't want my complaints about Killmonger and T'Challa's fight to detract from the fact that I like every other piece here. Yes, it is completely obvious. Army of Darkness did this the same year as all of the stuff in the oakland scenes here but back in 92 eric the red showed up to help ash in the last fight i knew Mbaka's people would come but it's still fun when they do and this huge three or four-way battle of everyone on everyone and to see the women kicking so much ass and oh just it's so much fun and it this is good CGI. All of it looks good.
2: It's all fun. I'm enjoying Ross, you know, again, in that simulation of a spaceship shooting down the ships trying to deliver weapons. I love these, I don't know, they have these ships that almost look like dragonflies or something. I, I love all this, except this fight between Eric and T'Challa. Like I I almost feel like they just need to sit down and talk. Like that's it's <laughs> It's weird, but that's what I want them to do. Like, I want them to find that middle line, like, where they're going to help other black people around the world. Maybe they'll have to militarize some of them. We don't know. Maybe some just need some diplomacy. I want them to talk like I, I feel like it's a failure when Eric, like he gets stabbed at the end. He's like, bury me in the ocean, just like the, the slaves who jumped off the ship. I'm like, heal him in your lab and rehabilitate him and make him an ally. That's how I guess I just really like Michael B. Jordan in this film.
0: Yeah, I do, too. You did. And I felt it, too. But I would say this, it it gives him a great death scene.
2: It is a great line.
0: T'Challa offers. He's like, we know, we've seen them do it for Ross. We know that they can heal this sword wound to the stomach. It's not a problem for them. They have medical miracles at the... Tip of their fingertips, but this character doesn't want to be healed. I mean, that's what he really says is that I just see that as a form of bondage having to work for you. And so I'm I'd rather just go out like the slaves that jumped off the ship and drowned in the ocean.
1: Yeah. He twists the weapon in him himself in order to prevent that. But they do have a nice moment where T'Challa takes him up to see the sunset after the battle. I think they understand that in certain ways they are brothers, but they are so diametrically opposed there can be no peace.
0: Yeah, what they're really fighting about is a vision of future black power. How should it look? How do we come by it? And I think, obviously, the more humanistic, the more peace-driven is the one that Takala is advocating. Obviously, Eric's could work as well, but it means that just different people are going to be enslaved and brutalized. And so maybe that's poetic justice, but it doesn't feel like it's going to heal the world. And I want to thank whoever told Disney to go screw themselves because I know that somebody there was like, you know, we need to bring the colonialist and the Wakandan together, right? Suri should date the CIA guy, right? Didn't you get that vibe? Never. In fact, I felt like Ross's fight
1: here at the end was so shoehorned in. I was glad when his base actually gets under attack, but the fact that he was chasing down those ships, it's like, we need something for Ross to do, but it felt really inconsequential compared to the major battles on the ground.
0: I definitely feel like, you know, they kept pairing him with Suri, and, you know, she starts off, one of her big laughs is that he scares her, and she calls him colonialist. Uh, I just, it's the Disney trope, to like start off they're not friends and by the end of it as everything's healing here in the at the end of the movie and we see that T'Challa is repairing his relationship with Nakia that maybe that everyone's going to be happy. I know that that must have been a sentiment because I think this one is a little bit more brutal, a little bit more thorny than some of the Marvel movies there was probably a push to, to make it super sweet and the closest they get to that is to say we're going to open up an outreach Center in Oakland. And there was applause in
1: my audience opening night. When he said he bought the housing projects there and is going to transform them. The audience I was with that was predominantly African-American cheered that he was taking Wakandan money to improve African-American neighborhoods.
0: The audiences I saw it with loved the fact that the kids wanted to break up the spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Sell it on eBay.
1: <laughs> and did they mispronounce Chitari? Didn't they say is that a Bimbari spaceship or something like that? Oh, it sounded like Chitari to me. The audience was laughing so much at the kids' reaction to the ship. Both times I had trouble hearing what they were saying, but everyone did laugh. We could break it up and sell it! That would have been my idea, too, at the
2: time. Yeah, and then the kids ask who T'Challa is, and I feel like they're going for that Tony Stark Iron Man moment at the end of the first one, where Tony Stark's supposed to give this whole story... And he just says, I'm Iron Man. But here they cut away, like right before he says it.
0: I think they were having trouble finding the end. I mean, yeah, the outreach center is nice. The idea that they're going to come out of the shadows and share the technology does feel like what Tony ultimately did by outing himself as being Iron Man. Yeah, it will be interesting to see where there's overlap between Stark Industries and Wakanda and what can be learned here in future sequels. But the Stingers... They don't give a whole lot. I mean, I just feel like this thing here at the United Nations here is a trump joke, right?
2: I thought I missed a line or something. I didn't get the point of this mid-credit scene. Like people were talking cuz it's the credits. I'm like, did I miss something? I was there a reference to Miss Marvel or something. What what was the point of that mid-credit scene?
1: I think the point of this mid-credit scene is to take the wonderful message it actually had and then Somebody decided they wanted to shove something up about Trump, and so they take their message and restate it in a very bland way when he says the foolish build barriers, I'm like, come on, that is you' that is obviously a Trump and his Mexican wall joke and he's saying we should build bridges are differences. It's really putting a button and spelling out for the audience in case you didn't get our message. Hey, we're more similar than different and people are using our differences to divide us when if we were together,
0: we'd be stronger. I mean, I actually found this to be a dumbed down scene. I think sometimes it's good to underline your theme and everyone gets it. I don't always think that's the bad way to go. It just, I thought there should be maybe something more that happens here. Instead, I know it must have been tempting that they're at the UN, they're not at the White House, but I'm sure they wanted the guy to ask them with all due respect Wakanda, it's a shithole country, right? I mean, you know, like that's (laughs) you could sense that's what he wanted to say. It's great you want to help us, but you guys don't have anything.
2: I don't know if you heard this story, but someone put out a reward for any journalist that asked Trump a question about Wakanda and got him to answer it. So.
0: And I don't think we get a whole lot more from the other Instinger once we wait through all those credits and meet the white wolf. I mean, I presumed that he was going to be Bucky in Infinity War and not Winter Soldier.
2: Yeah, is that the whole point? Is that he's not brainwashed anymore? Did we know he was in Wakanda? I don't even remember where we left off with Bucky in Civil War. We knew he was left in Wakanda because that's our first
1: glimpse of Wakanda is at the end of Civil War, and that Black Panther was putting him back in cryo freeze
2: okay that's what i
1: thought and kugler said that nobody at marvel asked him to do any stinger scenes or anything he was completely up to his own on what to do here which is different from other cases but he said that he knew that bucky was in wakanda from civil war and he thought it would be nice just to give mention to that and so they did this here and they also wrote about it there was a prelude comic and they talk about how shuri was working on him while he was in cryo sleep trying to deprogram him did he lose his arm in civil war he doesn't have an arm here yeah iron man blasted
2: it off all right it's coming back to me
1: I'm assuming by the time we get to Infinity War, where I see him with two arms, that he'll have a brand new vibranium arm.
2: And
0: I think maybe a girlfriend. I think Shuri could be that. I mean, you're just trying to hook Shuri up with everybody. (laughs) It's the Marvel Universe. I know that they're going to do that. But what I'm really hearing is, with these end scenes, they're telling us they don't want us to know anything going into Infinity War. They're trying to keep it spoiler free. Yeah, I really
1: really thought that we would end with something coming to earth or something implying Wakanda has to leave its borders. But no, this was what Kugler decided he wanted to put in the end, not what Marvel said, Hey, do this to tie into the other movies. It honestly makes me wonder after we get into phase four, if we'll even have end stinger scenes anymore. Yes, we will. But let's get our end stinger for now playing. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Black Panther? Jacob.
2: This movie had a lot of hype going into it, a a lot of things to live up to, whether that's fair or not. Like, everyone was talking it up. Uh, Everyone got upset when it got its first negative review on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just a thing now. And so, yeah, I went into this and and I understand the cultural and political and and all the significance to this film. Like, I, I all that stuff is is great that they have pulled this off. I do feel, though, it doesn't quite live up to all that hype as as a story. I, like I said, that first hour... That could be way condensed. I wanted to get to more of the meat, the interesting stuff, which goes along with why people see this as such an important film. Talking about colonialism, talking about race, talking about how do we go and and set about, you know, do we try to even what's happened in history or do we try to just make something good going forward? Like all that was really great stuff. And I wish there was more of it. I I love Michael B. Jordan here. Again, the, the CGI and a lot of the action wasn't great, though, so it's weird because there's all this stuff that I like on one end, and then there's this other stuff that just kind of brought it down to where it was ended up just being kind of a mid-level... Marvel film for me, you know, it's it's there with Civil War, Captain America: The First Avenger, because there are so many ideas here. I, I feel like they needed to to take the most important ones and really focus on those and and get to those quicker. But it, it's still a, a fun movie. It's it's still got some great ideas in it that I really like that I like to see tackled, you know, in a major tentpole blockbuster movie to to try to tackle some of these weightier political ideas. It's great to see. So, yeah, I recommend Black Panther. Stuart.
0: I agree. It's an important movie to get right. And they did. The first solo adventures for a black Marvel superhero does Africa proud. And it hits all the marks a Marvel movie needs to to please the base. I thought the movie was really a treasure trove when you look at the supporting stuff. The supporting characters, the details, the women particularly, the design of Wakanda. Michael B. Jordan is the best superhero villain since Heath Ledger's Joker. But yeah, I think I too... On my first viewing particularly, I left disappointed that I merely liked it. I was like, wow, that was supposed to be a game changer. And it kind of reminded me when everyone was hyping like that Ellen episode where she came out of the closet on her show in the late 90s. And (laughs) television was never going to be the same. And then you watch it and think, uh, it was a sitcom. It had a laugh track and a corny joke and everything that you would expect. Yes, it did do groundbreaking things in that context, but it still just was a sitcom. And I think that's true of Black Panther. It does do some things that no superhero movie has done before... But mostly, it does a lot of things that every superhero movie does before. And sometimes they do it really well. Sometimes they just do it kind of mediocre. And so if you're not inclined to like superhero movies, if you came here for the social commentary, you're probably better off staying home reading Soul on Ice. This is unapologetically a formula superhero movie stuff. And one more thing, too. Shuri says, just because something works doesn't mean it can't be improved. I think that's definitely true here. The focus was correctly put on this first installment on establishing this kingdom. Next time you got to work on the king. The last line, it's telling that last line. The child's asking him, who are you? And after 130 minutes, I still don't know who Black Panther is. And that was my gripe with Wonder Woman. That was my gripe with Tim Burton's Batman. The main character needs to be as interesting or more than everyone around them. And that is just... Not the focus here. There was so much to do that poor Chadwick Boseman, you know, he's a talented actor. He's charismatic. He's versatile. I know he can carry this movie. He can do a lot more than an accent, but that's all that they really asked him to do this time. Hopefully next time he will get more of a movie that focuses on him, the one that he deserves. But it's a solid recommend. I enjoyed it. Wow. I'm...
1: Honestly shocked that of the three of us, I'm the one highest on this film. It is a
2: Marvel film. I, I don't know if I'd be too shocked.
1: Well, let me explain my rationale, and you probably will be. I honestly believe that this is perhaps the best Marvel film, but it's certainly not my favorite Marvel film. The reason I say the best Marvel film is because I do like movies that take our current's situations whatever they may be and comments on them that look at our time and reflect our world and we talked about that a little bit with Captain America the Winter Soldier a little bit less with Civil War and here I feel this is the most politically charged movie of the Marvel Universe and it makes me think I know so many people I hear them talk. I talk to them and sometimes I hear them just talk around me and they're like, God, I'm so sick of superhero films. I wish they'd stop making superhero films. I don't like superhero films. Black Panther is a movie that is technically a superhero film but it's really a political drama. I'm surprised at how dramatic it is and how much it reduces the action. The big set piece fights are... One per hour. It's, it really felt slow in that regard of the action. And so when I walked out of the movie the first time, because of the comments on colonialism, because it made me think about race in a different way, because I'm really, I've said it on a previous show, but not a Marvel show. I'm so impressed with the toy line and the way that it's an all black figure line that they made for kids and that there's a commercial for it that's all black kids playing with black panther toys and to be in that theater seeing a lot of black youths looking up on the screen and seeing a black superhero it really moved me in a tremendous way i think that it not only did it but it did it right i feel like The women were strong in this, so it's great for black men and black women, and it had moral ambiguity. I think for sure Killmonger, despite having a seriously silly name of Killmonger, (laughs) is clearly the best-drawn Marvel villain we've ever had. Marvel has had a major villain problem where none of them really pan out, and Killmonger is great because when I walked away from this film— I'm still like, he had a point. You guys are just sitting there watching people die. And so in that regard, I do feel like this is the most ambitious Marvel film. It breaks the Marvel mold. They went for a new audience and they grabbed that gold ring, damn it. I really, really applaud this movie. I mean, not even to belittle the comparative, but I felt almost as moved by this movie as I did by Schindler's List. I mean, it just, this movie rocked me to the core emotionally on the first viewing. On the second viewing, I was judging it more as a superhero movie, and I realized, you know, I can't watch Schindler's List twice in two days. (laughs) You know, it just, on the second viewing, some of the talky scenes, because it's not as deep as Schindler's List, it's not as deep as 12 Years a Slave, it got a little repetitive. I recognized its shallowness and really was harping more on the lack of action. You mentioned the one Bad Rotten Tomatoes review, Jacob, and that person gave it a, you know, they threw the tomato at it because they said it didn't have enough action. And yeah, if you're coming in here for an Iron Man-like experience, you're going to be left disappointed. But if you come in here with an open mind, I think this is the most adult of the marvel superhero films and i'm happy to give it a very strong recommend
0: yeah i mean they all have their own flavor, but, you know, this, again, it was important to get this one right. I don't know, maybe somebody, maybe short people watch Ant-Man and feel like, that's me! And it means something (laughs) to them. But, yeah, this one felt like it meant something to a whole global populace.
2: Yeah, not a whole lot of Scandinavians were, like, chomping at the bit to make sure Thor got (laughs) Vikings right.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Does it help that I watch Ant-Man and I see Michael Pena and I go, that's me!
0: (laughs) Maybe. I Again, it's too much to rank. I think we can rank all all the Marvel movies. Once we get to Infinity War, we'll just try to do it there. But I won't go this far. It's the best introductory movie of any Marvel character not named Iron Man. I still think <laughs> I enjoy the Robert Downey's first adventure the most. But then it's Panther, Guardians, Captain America, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, Hulk, Dr. Strange, Thor, and Inhumans. So... <laughs> That's what I would say. See, I need to rest
1: with this because, yeah, if I'm going to watch a Marvel movie, I'd grab Iron Man, Avengers, Cap 2, Cap 3, and Guardians well before I'd grab this. But yet, I don't feel any of those movies have the meaning of this one. So, it's like I respect the hell out of this film But it's not one I want to rewatch a whole lot. It's a great movie, but I don't know that it's a good Marvel movie.
0: Yeah, and again, I think they wrestle with cool issues, but it would have been helpful to hear more from T'Challa. I think that they could have worked thematically uh, some of these ideas fuller if we had not gone to South Korea, if we had focused on that divide between the American black militant and the African king. I think that if the movie had focused more on that I would I would be more inclined to see it the way you're seeing it Arnie.
1: Yeah and I just hope next time they go full on James Bond. I just want T'Challa to become the James Bond because that first hour gave a promise that the second hour didn't fulfill, but I loved that first hour's vibe so much more than the second hour's vibe. The first hour was a good Marvel film, and it's skewed to just being a good film, but not a good Marvel film. If you upped the CGI, maybe gave that team a little more time to work and just kept things going, I'd love to see Black Panther globe trotting on a mission like that. I think Googler, he did too well with that because he left me wanting so much more out of it.
0: Well, no doubt we're, with this box
1: office, we're going to see more Black Panther. I'm surprised they wouldn't rush it out next year with the amount of money it's making. <laughs> you know how they are. They haven't announced much past Infinity War, so they're keeping everything on after Infinity War a secret because they don't want us to know who's living, who's dying.
2: Mel! Not everyone. You we know we're going to get Ant-Man and the
0: Wasp. They're going to live. Yeah, I saw that trailer. They didn't <laughs> even have an Infinity War trailer in my theaters. Either time. But boy, that Ant-Man and Wasp. Is that the least impressive Marvel movie you've ever seen built? Well, at least since Ant-Man. <laughs> No, I I think it's the
1: better than the first Ant-Man. I mean, I actually like the shrinking vehicle and the shrinking building. And You like the giant Pez? Oh, the giant Pez felt like it was out of the first movie, though. Especially since it was Hello Kitty.
0: I can't believe they're going to try to do it twice, but uh, alright.
1: And they're bringing the female up in it, though. That was a big complaint about Ant-Man, and now it's Ant-Man and the Wasps. Sisters are going to do it for themselves in the Marvel Universe. They're even talking about... A solo Black Widow movie, finally. Well, that I'd be up
2: for. Yeah, isn't that Red Sparrow coming out next month? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the Mystique movie, Jacob? Oh, it looks like a Black Widow movie to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we talk a little bit about what we're doing on our schedule, because we're going to do the movies a whole lot in March. Like 30 times this year, but March is
2: a big <laughs> month.
0: Death Wish, finally coming out. They thought they could avoid a mass shooting and bad press. No, no, no.
2: I don't know. We just had another one. Do we got to put it off? Like, we got to keep putting it off. If we put it off till there were no school shootings, the movie would never come out. We'll never get it. I I think that's a good lesson. If you want your Death Wish movie.
1: Yeah. I could be okay
0: with that. It does not look (laughs) good to me. (laughs) There
1: was another trailer for it, a new trailer before...
0: Black Panther
2: yeah I like the grindhouse trailer they put out for it I don't think that's the movie though
0: yeah I don't know but video games we've got Tomb Raider the new one Alicia Vikander is going to try to take it away from Jolie there was a ton of banners all over the
1: building for that in the theater and including characters I don't even know I mean I know Laura Croft but there were banners for other characters I'm like "Who, who are they
0: I'm gonna have to do some more research for that Yeah, your thumbs are going to get tired. Pacific Rim's got a sequel. Didn't see that coming. No, it's not Guillermo del Toro behind
1: the camera, but it's John Boyega in front. He was almost Black Panther, by the way. (laughs) So, yeah, they ended up going Chadwick Boseman, but Boyega was in the running. Let's see if
0: he can carry Pacific Rim instead. And Spielberg's going to go video games, sort of. Ready Player One, popular book, could be a big... Seminole movie we'll see probably will
1: with spielberg at the helm he's you know it's later in the summer but it's possibly going to be overshadowed by jurassic world it's a question of will spielberg's legacy or spielberg himself do better this year
0: and so we got all of that coming as well as the video game stuff and uh if you are a patron or a donor we got even more shows for you that hellraiser movie finally coming out yes uh but
1: before we get to hellraiser 10 we have a new Living Dead that's going to be actually, our review will be out this week. It'll be this weekend, Day of the Dead Bloodline. We're not really pushing it too hard. We have opened the vault. Some donation packages are available directly from us for Living Dead shows, including 28 Days Later, Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead, or the remakes, but For anyone who donated way back in 2012 or during the Kickstarter, you're going to be getting our review of Day of the Dead Bloodline. It will also be available on Podbean. And then in
0: a few weeks, Hellraiser Judgment. Yeah, it's the build up to uh, part 10. It's out there.
2: They they took it off the shelf and shipped it out to Walmarts to purchase.
0: Yeah, I never thought it would see the light of day, but it's there and we've seen it and we'll be discussing it soon. As well as High Tension, a French cult movie that uh, a lot of people like and uh, was a requested choice for our March patron pick. Yes, yeah, so that will be out for patrons in March.
1: And I just want to tease for patrons in April. We're doing Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. It is the... I feel old. Thirtieth anniversary of
2: Beetlejuice. What? No. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing that in theaters. Oh man, now I feel old. Thanks. <laughs> but for its
1: thirtieth anniversary, we will be reviewing that as our April patron exclusive review. Find all the details for that stuff at now Playing Podcast forward slash donate. And if you enjoyed this movie review, please head to our iTunes page, leave us a five-star review, leave us a few comments on there. We do read them, and we'd really appreciate some kind words over there. It helps spread the word about the show. But you mentioned video games, Stuart. We're going back to video games. We're going to Tomb Raider. It's not next chronologically in our video game reviews, but it is next because we are going to tie in to the Tomb Raider movie. So next week, you, I, and Justin are going to be discussing Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, our first Angelina Jolie review. But really, the video games, it's just a placeholder for me. I can't wait till May for the Infinity War because we'll be back then when Avengers Assemble!
3: for listening to this episode of the Now Playing Avengers Retrospective Series. We're adjourned. We're adjourned for the day. Okay. You've been a delight. Part of our Marvel Comics Movie Retrospective Series.
0: This is a whole new level of weird. I don't feel inclined to step away from it.
3: Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, go to our archives, where you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics movie series, such as X-Men, The Fantastic Four, Blade, and Punisher, plus DC Comics reviews of Green Lantern, Batman, and Superman. Good luck keeping up. We also have non-comic-based movie reviews, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many more. I'm bringing the party to you. You will also find individual movie reviews, such as Cowboys and Aliens, Avatar, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Would you like to hear what they're saying? I can hear what they're saying. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss this show with other listeners.
2: Here we remain as a beacon of hope, shining out across the stars.
3: You can also follow NowPlaying on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. It's strange, maybe. We'll to judge? The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com.
0: Therefore, what I'm saying,
2: if I'm saying anything, is welcome back.
3: Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You have to explain that statement, sir. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Is it All too right. much for problem to ask cuz am Okay, okay. I really need your help here. You can also show your love of Now Playing podcasts by shopping in our store where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more.
1: Get yourself something nice for
3: me. I already did. And? Oh, it was very nice. Very tasteful. Now Playing's Avengers Retrospective series is edited by Heath and Arnie. Alright, let's start over. You can edit it? -hmm. Three, two, one. Now playing credit narration by Brock. Wow. You spoke to me with what you did, and I know that you knew that I'd be listening. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Marvel Studios, Paramount Pictures, Universal Pictures, or the Disney Company. The Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and all that the Marvel Universe contains are the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. You really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Just stick to the official statement and soon this will all be behind you. Now Playing is a Vingonza Media production, copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Any last words? Hulk! Smell!
1: has just passed to king t'challa played by chadwick boseman after the death of his father king chakaka <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a long blooper reel <laughs> that was a whole thing in ace ventura Two. too Chica-ca. after the death of his father king Ch- after the death of his father king t'chaka after the death of his father, King
0: Ch- Tchaka. <laughs> Tchaka.
1: Tchaka. <laughs> Tchaka. This
0: is disaster artist all over again. Take 67. <laughs> I did not. I hit her. <laughs> is the idea that. What. Not Watombi. What is this place called? Oakland? Oh, Wakanda? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> w- Wakanda. And Marvel always has a romantic character foil for their superhero. This time, it's... I keep wanting to say Nikita, but it's... What is it? Nokia? (laughs) Not Nokia. (laughs) It's not Nokia either. Nakia. 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 This time, it's (laughs) Nakia. The Black Panther,
1: imbued with superpowers due to consumption of a special herb. I've imbued some herbs that made me think I had special powers, too, but...
2: See you! <laughs> <laughs>